0: We're taking back the power Cause we deserve it A women's right, a human right We want an equal voice, people pay, equal right Taking back the power Cause we deserve it Boy, does, hey, this one is for my daughter, born to be a leader. A visionary, powerful, the truth is what a leader. You can know the difference very second that you meet her. Cause this breed a woman ain't playing the backseater. No prima ballerina, making half as you Latina. One in four women, homeless, cause someone beat her. Respect that we deserve is the power that we earn. Hashtag me too, my body, my Like two different nations, yeah, yeah. and we don't have time to be having no patience. Yeah, yeah. Remember last time that we waited for changes? Yeah, yeah. I like a woman that said, What's right? Yeah, yeah. I like a woman that said, For right, yeah, yeah. still go to work, cause it's not for that day. Yeah, yeah. Cause she only make happy with a mimic at night. We're taking back the power, cause we deserve it. We deserve it. A woman's right, a human we want an equal voice, equal pay, equal rights. Taking back the power, cause we deserve it. A women's right, a human right. We want an equal voice, people pay, equal
1: rights. When we stand in allegiance, we will never be defeated. She is so powerful, but mistreated. I've seen what society thinks she should be, but every single woman is unique. You are different, you are gifted, stronger than you know, they can never take your soul. Broken, beaten, torn to pieces, stronger than you know, they can never take it so We've been chastised
2: and laughed at, but women always bounce back. Limit my abilities, I'm swerving way past that. Hold a thing, grasp that, we can never backtrack. Women run the world, and that's a fact, snap or cap that. Want to make a change? Oh, that's funny, me too. They objectify women, and they thinking it's cool. Want to talk about equality? I'm joining in too. I'm Dakota, I guess you could call me Mrs. Me. We're
0: taking back the power, cause we deserve it. A women's right, a human right. We want an equal voice, equal pay, equal right. Taking back the power, cause we deserve it. A women's right, a human right. We want an equal voice, equal pay, equal right. for beyond belief, I breathe soul into life. Not despite of, cause I am women. I am the revolution, ancestral calling, to join is truth. Susan B. Anthony and Ida B. Wells paved the way so that Ava DuVernay could create today. Blinded by divinity, our powers go on to infinity. United pillars, a liberty. we taking, taking back the power, cause we deserve cause it. it. A women's right, a human
3: right. We want an equal voice, equal pay, equal rights. Good morning, and welcome to Wanda's Picks, a black arts and cultural program of the African Sisters Media Network. And that was a uh, women's rights mixtape. And uh, we are going to be playing something from the archives this morning a really wonderful interview we had with Rodessa Jones when she had her resurrection of She at Brava Theater in San Francisco seven years ago. It closed April 7th. And so you won't be able to go see her in performance of this wonderful one-woman show, but you can listen to this interview and just think about, um, you know, when you were in the theater you know, experiencing this wonderful production. And uh, the second part of the show, we are going to have uh, some of our wonderful poets from throughout the country joining us as we celebrate National Poetry Month and uh, the end of National Library Week. What a great institution we have in our public libraries because now more than ever, we can catch up on some of that great reading that we've been putting off. So enjoy Rodessa Jones' The Resurrection of Sheep. So I'm speaking to Miss Rodessa Jones about the resurrection of She, and it's directed and the music is by uh, Idris Akumor, her longtime um, collaborator. And uh, Hamilton College is presenting this.
4: Um, tell me yes. about the
3: Hamilton College presentation. Um, they that was the first place it was presented.
5: Yeah, it was a. Uh, we wanted to see if it had legs, uh, just 'cause I was scheduled to be there to do some work in a prison there. Oh. Now, that, uh, strangely enough, that fell apart for them.
4: Mm-hmm. They couldn't
5: get clearance. You know, San Francisco, California is a very different place for for us. Even the prisons, although they're they're uh, they're large, uh, we're housing and it's a money making factor. But for me, anyways, I cut my tooth in California on working in prisons and. And in other places, they're just uh, prisons are just hard to get into. You know.
3: Um, yeah, I tried. Um, yeah, a lot of, yeah, it's really hard. You can't even you can only you can't even get in the like the lobby. You, you're out, you're outside talking to them, and they're saying no, you can't come in. And that's South Africa, Madagascar, mm. and Senegal.
5: Yeah, those uh you know I uh, my some of my African uh, friends and associates they kind of get miffed, but I always I just in my. My salutations and everything with them Would just pray for Africa Mm -hmm. Because, you know, it's just so The deal is going down And it's always so dark in a lot of ways And, you know, and uh, It just, South Africa I was very impressed because of the the program that they embraced. I mean, I was surprised because I I thought I was going to go and it was going to be the same same old same old same old. But no, I actually have been working there now for almost a decade and mm-hmm. actually,
4: yeah
3: yeah yeah. I, I I stayed down the street from you. I couldn't afford where you all stay.
5: <laughs> oh yeah, well that's, uh, yeah that was uh thanks thanks to the thanks to the um. The Rockefeller Foundation, actually. Oh, okay,
3: okay, yeah, okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's a nice neighborhood. It doesn't feel like Africa at all. I mean, it's a Seventh Street. <laughs> yes,
5: yes. And, uh, you know, but you. Uh, but I was uh, just taught. Uh, I was just at Brown uh, this past weekend. I did a, a major creative performance, creative survival workshop with students mm. at Brown.
4: Mm-hmm. I had a
5: young lady from Kenya, and um, she was talking about how. Africa is looking more and more like that. Wherever there's any affluence, it's like those nice neighborhoods that are all locked down, though. You know, mm-hmm. it's like you cannot get, you you know, you, you living in those neighborhoods, it's like you gotta have a key to do this, you gotta have a key to do that, mm-hmm. because you know the 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 poor is the poor is pounding at the door, you know, and uh, and the rich are getting richer, and they're not, uh, and they don't look like black Africa
4: you know, mm-hmm. basically,
5: so the guy that we that owns the spot that we ran he's a white south african who who wears a mask of gentility and uh but i but I've got to know the people who work there and you know and it's still slavery you know it's mm-hmm. still, uh largely slavery, one of my favorite uh, maids she quit you know i mean uh, she she wanted to be a nurse, and this man was not gonna have her giving him hours when she could work. And uh, because she was trying to go back to school and better herself, it was just insane and uh, I've been very uh supportive of her as well right down to sending money every mm-hmm. few months to her and her family because she's trying to find another job, but she did get into school and uh got some support from some organization but the, the, she was she lost her job because she was attempting to better herself you so, know
4: hmm.
5: yeah, he wouldn't let her work there and uh because she was calling her own hours, it was, it was pretty amazing. Yeah, just, mm-hmm. we take so much for granted, even as crazy as it is in this country. We take so much for granted about where you can go, what you can do, how you can dream. You know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah, yeah, and um speaking of dreaming and telling stories, it seems as if, you know, you were born telling stories. You must have been, you know, <laughs> you know, eating eating this great produce that your your migrant um, you know, family members, you know, the Dalkenia family, you know, as you were traveling along the East Coast, you know, they were traveling on the East Coast picking vegetables and fruits and telling stories perhaps?
5: Yeah, well, you know, the storytelling really was handed down from my grandmother, mm-hmm. my mother's mother. You know, um, uh, early on, even before the migratory um, legacy ha- started to happen in my family, my grandmother, that's how she took care of all of us. That's how she kept us focused, and and uh, and she was just a master storyteller,
4: you know. Mm-hmm.
5: Uh, and, uh, 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 you know, I, I knew about Uncle Ramos long before Walt Disney, you know, uh, Burr rabbit, mm-hmm. uh, Burr fox, and then my dad. My dad was also a wonderful storyteller. In that, you know, he he passed on all those a lot of uh, well, not all of them, but a lot of the stories that Zora Neale Hurston proceeded to capture in her anthological uh, studies. Uh, he was already my dad was already telling us these stories about the talking mule mm-hmm. and um. Uh, you know, and he, my father had even been to Eatonville when he was a oh, man. Yeah, no,
3: did did he meet Zora Hurston? Was she still there?
5: I have a feeling that uh, I have this, I have this premise. Maybe it's my own storyteller, but. There is a a sad story in my family uh, that my mother shared with my brother Bill and I. Very interesting in that we were, Bill was uh, presenting the last supper at Uncle Tom's Cabin. This was like back in the late 80s, 90s. Mm-hmm. And we were all in the limo circling the block uh, trying to find a way to, to get out. Uh, my mom was with us, it was Bill and I. My mother started telling us the story of, uh, my father had killed my uncle Pat, her older sister's husband. They had been brothers, Lily. They had been so close, mm-hmm. but it was over a woman, a fancy city woman who would sit uh, on the uh, sit on the commissary steps and share stories with these men. And uh, apparently, they both fell for this woman. And in my heart of hearts, I think it was Doreen Hurston.
3: Oh, my, wow, that's
5: cool. Yeah, that both of these (laughs) men saw her and heard her and had never uh, been in the presence of such a sparkling free spirit ever. And Mm. uh, my mother said that it was that woman in that red, um, (laughs) that that red, red tilted hat. And uh, I I think that my father and my uncle both fancied They were both handsome, you know, Mm -hmm. like. I don't remember a lot about my uncle Pat. I remember a picture of him, but my father was very handsome, and I think that uh they just got a kick out of her her presence and she was probably a great flirt and My uncle Pat came around the morning that she left town and he had a gun and he wanted to kill my dad and my mother and my aunt to this day they don't know really what happened hmm. but i think it was either my father got to spend a little too a little more time with her than my uncle and at any rate my father um killed him first
0: wow um,
5: yeah it was just this blazing crazy battle between these two black men
4: hmm.
5: over something that was not spoken and uh Hmm. And my mother said, "I think it had to do with that fancy city woman that got, because she got Gertrude Hurston got on a train the same morning, and I guess all the women were a tad relieved that I'm saying Gertrude Hurston. This woman did and left town, and then my uncle came over to kill my father, and my father apparently was was ready for him, you know, um, and uh, shot him first when he came up on the property, you know." Mm. Yeah. Wow,
3: that sounds like something, like something out of a Zora Neale Harrison mm-hmm. tale
5: Yes, really, mm. really Amazing so, Yeah, so that's uh, that's my Zora Neale Hurston story and I'm sticking <laughs> to it <laughs>
3: Yeah, why not, why yeah. not So um, you are bringing the Resurrection of She to San Francisco uh, at the end of this month I believe it's the 28th yes. And it's going to be at Brava Theater for... Um, I don't know. Is is it a week or week? It's two weeks. Two weeks. Yeah, so we can go back and see it again. And there's a subtitle to to this um to this piece, the resurrection of she, and a subtitle, the Rodessa Jones story. It's like, oh wow, it's the Rodessa Jones story, like part one or what? Cause we
5: well or part three you know, or four because
3: we've seen a lot of your stories.
5: Well, I, it's <laughs> a it's a return to some old material, and mm. that I I I, I with my work in Africa hmm. and my work in San Francisco with the Medea project methodologies uh it has been an incredible uh eye opener the looking at how how the the lives of south african women and the lives of uh, incarcerated women uh, marginalized women, I guess I should say, in America are so alike.
4: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
5: And uh, and on one level, I marvel at whatever has brought me to this place in time where I can get, I can mine stories from women. Women will share just about anything with me.
4: Mm-hmm.
5: And uh, so I, I decided in making the resurrection that she did, I was going to go back and examine my methodologies, and could I do the same thing openly to myself
4: oh. to craft
5: uh, my own journey, mm-hmm. you know, uh, as a as a woman, as an artist, as an African-American woman, as a mother, as a grandmother, mm-hmm. you know, could I chart my own course. And so that's what the Resurrection of Sheep basically is. It's like uh, looking at the way our lives are really like uh, uh, like an onion. You know, the, we keep peeling back layer after layer after layer. Mm-hmm. And how many times have you died? When did you die? You know, I mean, I had a baby at 16 by a boy that I, you know, I was so innocent. He said he loved me and uh, held my hand in the moonlight and sang uh, the Beatles. When I get older, losing my hair. When I'm sixty-five. When I'm sixty-four, and and then everything that happened out of that that betrayal, in a lot of ways. I mean, and then of course when I came up pregnant, it was my fault. You know, obviously I wasn't a nice girl.
4: Mm-hmm.
5: He turned into somebody I did not recognize, and how and I had to move on. I had to live on, but you have to let go of who you were and that is a death in itself you know uh and um and then he just died he Mm. just uh, died uh, uh, just after christmas my daughter's father Mm -hmm. and that is another death i went to his um memorial because my daughter is in dubai and uh she said mom i know you might not want to do this but would you go and i said of course i would you know of course i'd go And uh, in going, well, first of all, fast, uh, rewind, I went to see him with my daughter and granddaughter in hospice before he died. Mm -hmm. And I was looking at him, and I realized that I did not know the man, the 60-some-year-old man who was ranting and raving in that bed. I knew the boy. Mm. And then I and I thought more about, well, what happened to the girl myself,
4: mm-hmm. what happens
5: to her. And I think that we can all agree that uh, every time you see a grandchild and you go back and you see that grandchild again, there's a new person there,
4: mm-hmm. you
5: know, because I've never lived that close to my daughter and granddaughter. So every time I'd see my granddaughter, she'd be somebody else. Right. And they go on in time. You know, we all go on in time. So, thus the resurrection, uh, and the person that I have arrived to be—that I really, I really love, I'm proud of, I respect—that is hopefully the crowning jewel of this performance. Hmm. It's who I who I present myself as at the end of the evening. You know, mm-hmm.
4: who mm-hmm.
5: who I have grown up to be, uh-huh. and it's back to women's lives and works how do we bury dead dreams you know so that we can go on how do we bury our dead and still go on i mean i have this running joke which uh, i i try out on people i'll just say well you know it's dying time hmm. it's dying time in america it's dying time in my life and people are like oh that's so morbid but it's the I, i'm 64 and uh and I have become a part of that group, as my mother used to describe the group that's uh, that's coming from the cemetery, just having buried someone and uh, arrive at the house to find that someone else has died, mm-hmm. and we must go back to the to the cemetery mm-hmm. and I'm one of those wailing women now, you know when I was a child uh, you know i I heard about it because we lived very openly, but it it didn't affect me the same way because youth. You're so resilient, and death doesn't make any sense yet, you know. And um, now it's like to have buried my mother and father. They're both gone, you Mm -hmm. know. Um, To now to have married my daughter's father, you know, to uh, my – I I, I buried – well, I didn't bury him, but I watched him. He died and and left me the love of my life, the man that I think – pulled all of my womanism and my sexuality and my my sensuality together my my witcher my crafts my witch's craft you know he was he loved my food we used to have such a lovely time together and I with him I had arrived at this place where I don't have to be married this is enough mm-hmm. this is enough this man's love this man's affection and he was mexican you know, he was Mexican with no papers.
4: Mm-hmm.
5: You know, and then he died of bone cancer last mm. January.
4: Oh, and, uh, like last us, year? Uh, yes. None oh. of
5: us uh, Well, he died in San Diego. Mm. But uh, all of a sudden, immigration was immigration was was uh, lying next to me in my bed, the whole plight of it. And I think he died of Lindy, a broken heart and a broken spirit. Because mm. he was such a good man, so sweet and. Elegant, and, uh, but he had lived in this country for 25 years with no status. Hmm. And he had raised a daughter, a very fabulous daughter, poet,
4: Mm-hmm. And
5: he was so proud, and uh, and he was the man that came for me and said, "Look, you know, are we gonna make this something? You know, <laughs> you, know I, I, you know, I need to know what your intentions are." It was just so fabulous, mm-hmm. like you know, because uh, he said, "Cause I'm ready to go home now." This was a year or so before he died. Mm-hmm. He said, "You know, my kid's gonna be okay. Uh, I can't live in this country like this anymore." And then I was teaching at the Art Institute about uh, five, six months ago, and a young uh, Mexican woman said, you know, I was telling them a story, a story somewhat like I'm telling you,
4: Mm -hmm. and she
5: said, well, you know, studies have shown that Mexican men, they die 20 years before their time. The ones who come here and try to, try to make it right, they work harder than... My friend used to say, you know, Mexican people are maligned. He said, but, you know, we work harder than anybody. We work harder than the Bolivians. We work harder than the Colombians. We work harder than the Salvadorians. We work We work because we like working, and it all makes sense being here, because other than that, he says, nobody wants to be in America. You know, there's just no money in our own country. And uh, and he loved Mexico. He taught me so much about the art, the culture of Mexico. And he would dream about us going there and hanging out. And mm-hmm. uh, and he told me that I was his califa. Ah,
3: uh-huh. you nice. Know,
5: yeah, and he, <laughs> yeah. He talked about the the black Amazons in Mexico. You mm-hmm. know. Um, and then he died. Boom.
4: Mm. Like
5: it was. It was. It caught everybody off guard. And uh. So. I've had to, then then, then I've got Mar- Aretha. I put on Aretha's song, you know. Mm-hmm. I can't help it now that he's gone. I've got my own life. I've got to live on, you know. And, again, the resurrection. Who is that woman now, you mm-hmm. know, um, going to my daughter's father's memorial after the big celebration in San Francisco, and I'm the... the the mayor's artist of the yes. year and mm-hmm. I go to this memorial service and these people are like, "Now who are you again?" You know? <laughs> <laughs> and I really felt, like, oh, I felt my. like a ghost. I just felt like a ghost.
3: Mm. Mm-hmm. Mhm. Huh. Yeah. huh. Yeah, well that's you know, you know when you're talking about um you know these different selves and, and you know and 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 dying, you know, to these different um views, you know when that it's time to move or step into another room. And I was just thinking about Ruth Brown, uh, the great artist who talked about um, when she was, you know, sort of getting up there in age that she was in God's waiting room. Wow. Yeah. I like it. Yeah, Yeah, I thought about that. And and then I was wondering, as you were talking about, um, you know, your grandchildren, your granddaughter, and how every time you see her she's another person because you don't see her, that process of her getting older and growing. Mm -hmm. You just see her at these different stages. And I was wondering um, uh, how many selves have you had to let go, and can you ever retrieve, like, can you, like, are they sort of like, you know how when you delete things, Uh sometimes it says, Gone forever But then we know There's no such thing As that for real um, Online But, But it says that So it means that I can't access it anymore But when you When you move on Are you really moving on Is the door like Shut Locked Gone Like it's never You can't Or can you actually Go back and get Some of those persons just in case you weren't really finished with her
5: <laughs> well therein lies the performance material for this show ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, i i uh i don't know i am I'm exploring and i am uh perusing to see you know i mm-hmm. think um uh, I heard a poet say uh she said, when you are down hard and you're having a terrible day, remember when you were five. Try to revisit being five
4: mm-hmm.
5: and how simple the world is, uh, supposedly. Now, I've lived and the work I've done has shown that a lot of five-year-old children are, are mm-hmm. already looking at you with ancient eyes. So, But uh, largely, I think what she meant was that before life hurt,
4: mm-hmm. you know,
5: mm-hmm. um, I like nine in the show I am uh, gathering stories of nine-year-old. When we were nine, as a nine-year-old girl, I I read another article in *More* magazine, and I invite you to send me a story that happened. Something happened to you at nine as well.
4: Okay. And
5: uh, uh, this writer is talking about um, her love of horses and how she had always dreamed that she would go to Uruguay and learn to ride. Uh, this um in a certain Spanish style, and she said, for some reason, it all came together for her at nine hmm. that she knew that's what she wanted to do and uh as she has studied the lives of other women and have gathered stories about being nine, uh she's come to this conclusion that at nine you're fully formed
4: hmm.
5: you know i mean you' you know, you have your opinion, you have your your psychic spiritual energy. And I remember with my dad. I just remember telling my father that I was going to be a great ballerina,
4: mm-hmm.
5: and I was going to have a pink jet, and I was going to live in Russia, and I, you know, and uh, and I can remember just being so clear about it all. Mm-hmm. And I remember my father; he listened to me. He didn't tell me it wasn't going to happen. He said, "Is that right?" And I said, "Yeah." And I'm going to do this. And I'm going to do that. And and my my dad would just be so engrossed, I think, in me. It's like, well, who is this? You know? I mean, and I was just so basking in my father's eyes. I was so sure of my nine-year-old self
4: mm-hmm. and where I
5: was going. And, now, of course, life knocks you over. And if you're not tended to and taken care of, if there's enough money to, to uh, sort of protect you from the Messages of the their world. Of course, by the time nine more years, you're 18, and at 18, I had a two year old daughter. Hmm. You know, mm-hmm. so I'm gathering these stories, and uh, uh, I'm working to to uh, 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 coagulate these stories so that every night I'll read a different one.
3: Oh,
0: seriously?
5: Yeah, in the in the performance.
3: Oh, so. We have to come to all your performances to get it all? (laughs)
5: That's right. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Oh, it's wonderful. And I've gathered some stories by highly profiled people from my yoga class, Mm. architects, uh, Mm -hmm. uh, surgeons. um, Mm. And there are these stories that largely are secrets,
4: Mm. you see. Mm -hmm.
5: They're, you know, things that have happened to people that they never spoke about. which for me, again, is the very, very um, heart of the Medea Project. Yeah. is that it is where we have to lay it down, lay it down. It's not your business anymore. It's somebody else's dirty garbage.
4: Mm -hmm. So you can
5: move on, you know, um, to answer your question about can we retrieve certain things. I think certain things we don't want to. I think that they – we're so angry. We get Mm -hmm. so angry. Uh At the world that we will we will we're like a mad woman in a dank, dark place who sits there tearing apart the tearing apart the fabric of her life because it feels real, you know so much stuff will have happened that mm-hmm. it feels real that this is where I live, this is who I am, and get over it
4: mm-hmm. you know
5: and uh and w- the only person that we're hurting is ourselves,
4: <laughs> and in my
5: family there's uh several. Women that I have, that their lives were like that with alcohol, with with um, uh, just this this inability to face the future. So uh, one of my relatives just kind of lives in this rarefied, wide-eyed air of uh, make believe, and she's like in her late sixties too.
4: Mm-hmm. And I
5: and I and growing up, I saw these women. And there was something in me that said, no, I'm not going out like that. I'm not. I would rather be the first one to let the world know that this happened to me, Mm -hmm. that this hurt me, because I learned early that I wasn't alone. We're back to the nine-year-old stories. There are women, nobody's ever asked them anything about anything. Mm -hmm. You know, and then here comes Jessica Jones. Big, broad smile, uh, talking about my work, and then in light of the award ceremony, a lot of people who thought they knew me had no idea about the work I did, so... Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, there's a oh. lot of people that, you know, I just... You're
3: you know, famous. I am not know one could not know...
5: Well, you know, I uh, huh. see... Um, Amongst my people, my dear <laughs>
3: <laughs> I mean you're such a celebrity, and like you know like a in a great way you know
5: yeah, and uh, i had a I had a sister tell me it was about three years ago at a christmas party um uh, at um renee walker's house my um, one of my costume designers, and mm-hmm. this lady just found me and and kind of cornered me and thanked me for never leaving. Mm-hmm. never leaving uh, us. She said, thank you for never leaving us, but you could have gone to Hollywood, she mm-hmm. said. You're pretty enough to be this. You're pretty enough to be that, but you decided to stay here and be with us, work with us, which was so moving. It was mm-hmm. very profound. I'm like, oh my God, show me the door. I'd still like to strive for Hollywood. <laughs> <laughs> but the work has been so rich. Mm-hmm. I work with women. Uh, my um, the gift of Uh, my own production company, E.G. Sarkamore, where I can make my work, Mm -hmm. it belongs to me, you know, I mean, I tried offhandedly to, to, to do the pilot season in Los Angeles, and all this kind of stuff, but no, I just, uh, you know, it's, it wasn't as interesting as, my own story, and the stories of women around me, you know, Mm -hmm. the stories that nobody was telling or talking about, and, uh, the rewards have been nice, you know, that, uh, uh, and it's it's meaningful work, you know. I mean, I would love to. I would love to be driving a Duesenberg now. I mean, that's one of my. You know, I'm having a beautiful house in the Caribbean,
4: mm-hmm. and maybe
5: something won't be as big and lavish as my fantasies. But at any rate, that I, I, that's probably coming as well. Mm-hmm. But I feel like if I was to drop in this spot that I've done some good work, and even as you say, you're famous, you know, it's uh, whatever that means. I uh, I have people at my gym, and they'll say, well, uh, do you do autographs? And I say, well, not really. I said, you know, I don't really do autographs. And I, I do autographs for young people who might think they know me, but
4: mm-hmm.
5: – and this lady was a little missed. She walked off just a little miss that I <laughs> wouldn't sign the newspaper article. <laughs> and it was just like, you know, it just kind of caught me off guard. Like, no, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to burden that either, that, oh, look at me. But then again, the other side of it is that reading the AARP magazine, it says, you know, start collecting signatures uh, from people before they're famous. So mm. maybe I didn't do the lady of service, to <laughs> maybe saying, no, I didn't, I didn't help her investment. Future investments or whatever
4: But
3: yeah Yeah Yeah, I was thinking about uh, I've got a couple of things I was writing As you were talking and um, Wrote down some words like audacity And authenticity And uh, inheritance and legacy And then choices Um, And then I was looking at Just juxtaposing the Medea Project Theater for incarcerated women And then Medea the character You know that woman was locked up Mm-hmm. You know, um, and um and then, you know, through through the work that you do with your company, uh, the Dare Project, which is um one of the programs of, you know, cultural odyssey, mm-hmm. um, you free you free people. And you do it through myth making and, you know, sort of remaking or re you know, sort of retelling these stories that are a part of our our psyche
5: as, as human beings. hmm yeah, I'm trying to stamp out shame and mm. stigma. Mm-hmm. You know, because it is uh, any way you look at it. Uh, if you can get up off the floor and wash your wounds, you're standing, mm. and it's a great life. You know, it's. A, and I'm not talking in terms of how many dresses you own or or how even how how rich the man is that you have or the woman is that you have, but that you you've lived to look back at a journey, you know, and mm-hmm. uh, I think for younger people, they need that, they need somebody to say, look, you know, you'll get through this, you know, I mean, it's uh, Sean Reynolds who, um, um, she was one of the first people who uttered to me, Uh, you know, when my mom died, she says, well, you know, you cry because there's, there's nothing else to do, then you got to stop crying and then what are you going to do? And uh, I think that uh, that's in part is what I'm saying. And then I saw this group in L.A. many years ago, a woman's group, and they had this wonderful moment in the show. It was a physical sound and movement thing, but it was like, if I fall, will you catch me? Mm
4: -hmm. And I feel
5: like that's been very much a part of my own work, you know, trying to retrieve sisters who are worth saving, you know, and also they need to know that they have a right to a life, that a life is not for special people. All mm-hmm. of us came here with reason, you know, with mm-hmm. reason and intention, you know. Um, sometimes for, you know, um, uh, sometimes for maybe five years, sometimes for 100 years. I have uh, very, very uh, wealthy uh, friends who are, were hippies with me, and we all read Edgar Casey and... Uh, and, uh, you know, we all studied Seth and we, we, Gurdjieff and, and, uh, they, they grew up to, um, either marry into lots of money or make lots of money. And now they're saying they're going to live to be one, 200 years old, mm-hmm. you know, which I don't necessarily know if I want to be around that long because mm-hmm. I like physically being able to move about and, um. Uh, and we don't really we don't know what to do with the aged and the elderly in our culture, and that 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 unsettles me. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know if I want to be around to to have to face that stuff. You know.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Safety. Mhm. Yeah. Um, yeah. I was wondering. Um, I have a couple of more questions. I was just remembering how wonderful you were as curator of the San Francisco International Arts Festival. Um, what year was that? And you just had all this
5: great art from the Pan-African diaspora.
3: Oh, 2005. Okay. That was a wonderful, wonderful showcase.
5: And God mm-hmm. bless Andrew Wood. Yeah, Andrew's he wonderful. He sent me. He mm-hmm. sent me, too. To Bali, to the Mali and Yeah. yeah hmm yeah.
3: yeah. hmm mm-hmm. Yeah, and you talk about you know you know the young people and the older people and yeah, and the art and just the landscape and the people that you met. Mm-hmm. Yes.
5: Well, people make up everything. Mm-hmm. You know, if the people aren't there, it doesn't <laughs> matter. Matter. I mean, I I found this out for true about Hawaii.
4: Mm.
5: Hawaii is pretty. But as, uh, there's areas of it that's, that's been manicured to death, mm. and uh, and the people can be a tad soulless, you know. And uh, and this was on my own account, and it was very disappointing to me, you
4: mm. know. Mm-hmm. Um,
5: or race matters where people don't want to be Hawaiian people. Some of them don't want to be confused with being black, and that mm-hmm. hit hit me that kinda of hit me hard when I was I was there for the first time wandering around that paradise and mm-hmm. came upon a couple of instances where uh some white person, ticket taker, gatekeeper, assumed I was with whomever was in front of me or whatever and just watching the brown people and their response to no, she's no, no. I'm Hawaiian. I remember one one woman and her daughter we're Hawaiian and uh, which meant we're not black. You know so go to Jamaica, mm-hmm. and I still can find pockets of uh musical humanity and uh the people are being kind of starved out uh, of of their freedoms And that everything is being sold by the government but you know God bless the music of Marley and uh reggae and people that look like me and when they got a moment to be free, you know, mm-hmm. when they can come up out of their strife and stress, it's such a lovely place to be, you mm-hmm. know, with that backdrop of the ocean and all that stuff going on, you know. Of course, as yeah, a man, you have to say, look, I, I'm i not the one. I'm not in the market for the Jamaican boyfriend or did that a long time ago and, excuse me, coming through, but uh, (laughs) largely uh, it's wonderful, glass of rum, a hit of ganja in the ocean. Uh, I'm I'm there.
3: (laughs) Yeah, it was really interesting, um, you know, these places that don't want to honor their African heritage. um, I mean, you know, Hawaii, you know, I mean, their their last queen was black, straight up. I mean, the sister looks like a sister. (laughs) And then you think about Mexico. um, Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, we're all over Mexico, and the last governor was black.
4: Mhm,
3: so it's like I mean, you know, like we should be uniting, not separating, <laughs>
5: mm-hmm. that is, that, That's so much uh, uh one of the women in the Medea project Angie mhm
4: yeah, Angie. one mm-hmm.
5: of the reasons I fell in love with Angie was that she came she came into the process when when the uh Rockefeller Foundation had funded Cultural Odyssey to go into the jails mm. and explore uh race, culture, and religion mm. and uh. So here's this little white girl from Idaho who, Hmm. one, can say, the first black person I met, I was 12 years old when I first met a black person. Hmm. And then the whole question of if there was a pill to take that would make you any other race, would black be a choice? And she said, well, only if I could take it for a, a shorter period of time. And of course, people are like well, you know, people are getting very upset. Well, you know, later for you and I. And I said, no, 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 let her finish. She said, she said, look around you. The world is so hard on black people. She said, black people can dance, black people could cook, black people are funny. It's a lot of fun. But the, but the world can be so hard on people of African descent. I think is what she meant. Mm-hmm. And here she was, a little blonde girl from Idaho, you know, and. Um, and anyway, I just thought it was an incredibly astute observation to make. You know, mm-hmm. that you're absolutely right. So wherever I go, I still try to work to to create a bond with all of us. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. with, with everybody. Uh, last night on the plane coming home,
4: mm-hmm. I'm talking
5: to a gentleman who was from um, white man. I think he was. Well, he was from Marin. Oh, okay. And he had just come back with his son, who was uh uh he had taken his son to visit. Uh, Brown and another college there, and we 're chatting it up in the back. I think and he just really enjoyed me being so open and funny, you know because when he, by the time he got back there, I was looking at the two bathrooms, and they it seemed like people had been in the bathrooms forever <laughs> he said i 'm just watching the doors, and he thought that was hysterically funny, <laughs> and we start talking uh, up comes this white lady. And uh, he, uh, uh, I said to her, I said, well, you know, I'm watching the doors, and he's, and we're celebrating our children and our parenting, and she looked at me and she said, Why well, I was, I, when I walked back, I saw you. I thought you'd be back here cooking up something good to eat. What? Yes. I said, I'm not quick enough, then. It's like, huh? He looked at her like, what are you talking about? And she thought she was being, uh, she thought she was being a part of the conversation. You know, uh, if I had been as quick as my friend Sean had cussed out and called her several <laughs> different kinds of bees and uh you know, and uh and and invited her to my backside, she probably would have went running back to her seat crying and saying that why are black people so hostile? You know? <laughs> 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 you know? It's always the question when you're in the wrong, when uh-huh. when when some white folks come up and get off in your face and they're totally off off the chain, you tell them, then you are hostile. But it was just like was stunned I was stunned. Like what
4: mhm,
5: and she totally meant it,, mm-hmm. and she thought she was paying me some compliment, I think you know I mean, it was just really odd, <laughs> no. that's very odd, yeah, and uh, and at the same time, the big uh the big uh, big white red red uh stewardess came back, and she. And, I, and the guy is saying, We've been waiting for bathrooms. And she says, I don't think there's anybody in this one. And he and I have been back, been back there talking, and apparently, who had ever left had not, like, uh, left the door open or, mm-hmm. you know, and it was just like more uh, irresponsibility and inhumanity and a lack of connection with each other, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and here's this lady standing there, you know, uh, hoping I'm gonna, hoping that I'm gonna entertain her now. And I just, the guy said, no, you go first. He said to me, and I just went right into the bathroom and back to my seat. It was like, you know, just, uh, just this, this kind of ignorance. It's just like ignorance, boldness, you know, and, um, uh, you know, at the same time, it's, it's it, all you can do is hope that somebody will relieve her of some of that stupidity. You know, it's like, uh, but it. But it wasn't me last night I was just like, <laughs> what the hell? Yeah.
3: yeah, well hopefully she will see your picture In a newspaper And come to see The resurrection of she And like, oh my god
5: <laughs>
4: <laughs> now,
5: Well I'm reaching out to everybody I want everybody Who thinks they know me To please come out You know, uh, and, uh, and 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 see my latest work mm-hmm. And also Um you know, it's uh, time and as long as it has been.
4: Mm-hmm. And,
5: uh, you know, uh, just um, I, I wonder sometimes, Redessa, my work can be so prophetic. What am I really saying? <laughs> <saying>
3: goodbye. <laughs> oh, heck no. Uh-uh. No, you're not saying goodbye. <laughs> no, uh, uh-uh, not at all. I remember that um the cabaret style um piece you did where it was all red and it was about hot flashes. That was Oh, so...
5: yes. Oh, yeah, that was that's one of my favorite pieces in
4: the whole world. <laughs> mm. That
3: was really fun. And uh, and I want to mention, um, I know you brought your crown back from South Africa, and uh, Mary McCabe's birthday just passed on um, the 4th, which was yesterday.
5: And that's my baby sister's birthday.
3: Oh. Oh,
5: wonderful. Yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. yeah she
5: would have been 81. Oh, my God, what a goddess, you know. Mm-hmm. What a goddess. I mean, it's like an whole idea to die in the midst of performance. Mm-hmm. What a way to go. Oh, know, yeah. Uh, her, her musician says she walked off stage-,
4: mm-hmm.
5: and she wasn't re- it wasn't time they hadn't gotten through all the songs, but she kind of walked off stage and apparently it collapsed
4: mm-hmm. yes, yeah. and
5: but what a way to go with the audience still calling and screaming for you mm.
3: yeah yeah that, that that sound following you in your ascension mm-hmm. oh that is
5: awesome, yeah, that's you know and i it, 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 it when I hear that story from people it's just amazing as well as getting my first crown in the marketplace. And,
4: mm-hmm.
5: and you know, me and I'm, I'm curious, George, you know, so I'm looking at all these beautiful <laughs> African women and these gorgeous, strange hats, these headpieces, and I'm asking, what what's going on? What is this? Mm-hmm. And they told me, they said, Mama Africa has offended and uh, and of course, I loved the idea that uh Mary in my was Mother Africa, that was her name with everybody
4: mm-hmm. and
5: they said, uh, you must have one, and so they gave me my first one
4: mhm
5: and, and uh and I and that's my that's the one that I'm wearing on my Facebook with George with uh Bill Clinton
4: mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs>
5: yeah,, yeah but no. and you know, and I saw Winnie Mandela mhm when I was in uh Soweto, uh, two two or three trips back. Mm -hmm. That was another queen.
0: Yes, she is.
5: Yeah, I asked this, uh, my guide was taking me to the radio station for television station in Soweto for an interview. Mm -hmm. And I said, Well, I said, I know Winnie Mandela has a, a tea house around here. And he said, Oh, yes. I said, You think we'll see her? He said, Well, you never know. So we're walking down to get some coffee before the interview. And uh, there she is mm. in this huge black b m w
4: huge
5: car, and there's two very large, handsome black men outside the car, and she's sitting in the back seat on her cell phone and uh but just light you know the light is just uh, emanating from her. It was amazing mm. and uh, I just stood there and she looked up and looked at me. And I looked at her, and I just, like, saluted her, and mm-hmm. she nodded her head,
4: mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. And I
5: wrote to my my late sister-in-law, Linda. I said, well, you know, I still think, how do you salute a queen? Mm-hmm. You know, how do you, how, what do you say when it's a, when it's? Just, I mean, she's still so beautiful. Mm-hmm. You know? She's just beautiful. But thank you for reminding me of these moments, because i got to pull up that, that piece, because I like to just call upon Winnie Mandela. Mm-hmm.
3: So, yeah. Know. Nice. Yeah. And so my last last question and comment is if you could um uh talk about uh the poetry of your life and, and how art um you know sort of keeps us human.
4: Hmm.
5: Well I think it all begins with love. Mm hmm and love is this. Love is its own reward. You know, it's uh, if you love, the universe will love you back. Now, don't be blindly and stupidly giving over all of your goods to whomever comes along. But keep an open heart and an open mind. And at the same time, as my brother Bill, Bill T. Jones uh, often um, reminds me. Of the world of ideas What can you do with love What What is another way to approach love You know And that's what we artists are privy to Taking ideas And wrapping them around old forms You know And, and, and the idea of love It softens everybody It keeps us all human You know um, And I think woman as well uh, My trainer Charles who was from Marseille, Charles told me years ago, I haven't seen him in a while, he said, he said I never can understand why a man would want to lay his hands on a woman in an abusive, violent way, because he said, look at a woman. A woman is shaped like a heart.
4: Hmm.
5: You know, he mm-hmm. said that, that on some some level, you look at the body of a woman versus the body of a man, and it's right down to, our sexual center—it doesn't hang out, you know. It's—it's—it's it's, uh, it's almost as though the uh, the line drawing ends there in the heart.
4: Hmm. And
5: he says that women are all shaped like hearts. Wow. And uh, I try to, as an artist, I try to re-enter old conversations, old ideas, but with the idea of pulling in uh, a, another way of looking at it. And I've been lucky that people will go with me. Mm
4: -hmm. But
5: I think it's because people want to believe in something. You know, right now I'm struggling with costume because I feel like I've got to be fabulous.
4: Mm, Of course. People will
5: come to see Rodessa be fabulous. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, (laughs) or naked, which I'm not doing anymore. But I used to be gloriously naked back in the the early days, you know, ferociously (laughs) naked. You know, when I did um, my early stuff, I was an artist's model. Mm-hmm. And I remember uh, the art teacher at San Jose State saying to his group when I was very young, I was modeling. He said, "If you can't draw this body, you should put down your pencils and your papers and your paints. <laughs> this, this body, this body is a direct descendant of God and all of God's mercy and glory and beauty." And I remember that thinking. I was all embarrassed, like, "Oh my God!" No. <laughs> but uh, but um, it it was a blessing for me. You know? mm-hmm. And my mother used to say uh on a note just about this art making, my mother said when she finally saw a piece of my performance, and I was at Berkeley, and my mother had often looked at me, but then, as mothers and daughters and sons, my brother Bill is such a bright light, you know my mother had not my mother sort of knew I was doing something over there but, uh, <laughs> but uh, she came to see i did a mm-hmm. I did a performance for um sex and gender. Sex, uh, Culture, and Gender at Berkeley. I think it was, uh, I can't remember, was it uh, Opal or, or Disa? It was oh. one of her classes. Uh-huh. And my mom came back, so I did a piece about generations, the four generations of women in my family, the blue stories. Mm. And I did it, my mother was there in the audience, and she, and I was very nervous. 'Cause I, I'm always spilling the, I'm always spilling family secrets and opening closets and all this kind of stuff.
4: Mm-hmm. And I thought,
5: Oh my gosh, she's not coming back, oh my she's mad, blah 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 But she finally came back and everybody had gone and I was um putting my make makeup away and she came back and she had to
6: she stood there
7: in the
5: doorway and I remember her wonderful hands. She she had these amazingly beautiful hands and they were so powerful, she just stood there and looked at me and she said now I know what you do.
4: Mm-hmm. You
5: tell your story as a way to lift the people up. And uh, that was my mother's blessing, and I passed that on that in the name of art and uh, saving the, the human family, I think it's about sharing stories. I tell you my story. I'll tell myself you can tell me yours.
4: And, mm-hmm.
5: You know, and once you hear somebody's story, you definitely can't help but see them differently so that's uh what i do in the name of saving the the tribe <laughs>
4: mm-hmm.
3: <laughs> well thank you for all that you do and gosh the resurrection of she is going to be so phenomenal um march 28th through april 7th and i was looking at the dates and um it passes through the season of um of I'm trying to think um I'm trying to think uh what's it called um The season of peace, you know, that starts Mm. in January and it goes through Martin King's uh, assassination Mm. and it travels through Gandhi's life, Kennedy's life, Mm. Malcolm's life, and uh, and then so it's like three days past it. And from what you say, we we definitely need to catch you more than once. So people shouldn't wait till the last week. And you know the
5: last days of the last week because you probably be selling out because Bravo's not huge. <laughs> and also, and you know what happens to me all the time is somebody will say, "You know, I I saw that show and I I really wanted to come back again, or I wanted to ask you like what you meant, you know." And uh, <laughs> and depending on how I feel or how the, the audience feels, I may have a uh, a few talk backs.
3: Oh so, wow, that'd be awesome. so great! Yeah. yeah, so you so there's the element of of. A surprise there too. I mean, we we might get more than just sitting in the audience. We'll be able to like talk to you, and afterwards see you walk out of the dressing room and get your autograph. And
4: <laughs> <laughs>
5: yeah, all those things may very well happen. And uh, at the same time, the part of the resurrection is that I really want to be able to say no. Right. Yes, you know, of course. It's like good night. Uh, like Captain Hepburn <laughs> said some ladies asked for an autograph. Captain Hepburn, who was one of my heroes, mm-hmm. Captain Hepburn. Uh, this woman said, uh, Captain Hepburn said, "Oh no, no, no! I'm uh, no, I'm really tired." And this lady said, "Well, we made you who you are," and she said, "Like hell you did." <laughs> <laughs> so I'll end on that note. <laughs> uh, okay.
3: Thank you, Rodessa. Yeah, definitely. Yes, like, thank you. Thank you for the wonderful conversation. I look forward to seeing you um, in the Resurrection of She. Yeah, it's
5: going to be a great. <laughs> say evening. Um
3: there will be. Everything you do is great. Thank you. <laughs> All right, you take good care. Okay. Bye bye. now but she's from the Comaros Islands off the coast of the southern coast of South Africa or Southern Africa and uh yeah she's really wonderful and I play that because she's simply fabulous but also uh Ramadan is coming up um the month of fasting for those who are Muslim and uh it's a really good time for Ramadan in that it's a time of re- uh introspection and uh and uh also next week is Earth Day. Oh my goodness, next Wednesday, wow, the earth is having a birthday. So anyway, uh, a lot of really uh significant time during this this uh period of 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 seclusion. Uh, physical distancing and seclusion. And we are continuing with our poetry. And uh joining me in my in the studio is Kim McMillan and maybe Lucinda Clark. Good morning, Kim. How are you? Kim? I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm
8: doing well. Yeah. Hi
3: there <laughs> Were you muted? <laughs> yes, I was muted <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's, that's good etiquette <laughs> So how are you today?
8: It's a lovely day in the neighborhood I feel really great And I love the poets that are on Including my brother Ooh, yeah, I'm really
3: excited Yeah, it's going to hear from cute, your brother. A wonderful show Mm-hmm. Yes. Is uh is Lucinda with us?
8: Uh I am she here.
3: Oh great, Hello. Hello. Yes, that's great.
8: Hi, hi. Yeah. yes. Oh, yes. Awesome yes. Yeah. Hi. So How are you, Wanda? Hi.
3: Oh I'm good, I'm good. It's been a minute since our first um two hour special. It's with us this is week three. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's great to be here. Hmm. Yeah. So why don't why don't you and Kim tell our audience about this collaboration and about your challenge and uh, and our first guest Shima, I believe. Shima, are you in the studio presently?
9: Yes. Good morning. Okay. Cool. Good morning. Hi, so we will be
3: introducing you after we have a little a little introduction of how this all sort of came about. Okay.
2: Sure.
3: Sounds beautiful.
8: Okay. All so right. take it away. Um, all right. Well, Kim, do you want me to start? I know you've been on the on the show for the last couple of weeks. I I guess I can um kind of do a roundup now that we've had a couple of shows in. Um, oh definitely, I, definitely. Yeah, I've I, I've known Kim um for quite a few years and uh I reached out to her because um I'm feeling kinda of down, unsure about um, the role that um, I was having in poetry, um, we were celebrating, we're coming up on 20 years of um, working with poetry and, and building um, collaborations in the community. And Kim said, hold on, I'm going to work with you. We're going to get this challenge together. And then all of a sudden we were uh, running articles and newspapers and, and doing this show and <laughs> challenging poets all over the country. And um, I've gotten a chance to um, allow some of my best poet friends to be on the show, and I just want to thank you, Kim, for making it possible, and to thank you, Wanda, for um, giving us East Coasters, Southerners, uh, New Yorkers, a chance. <laughs> uh,
4: been, what you're it's doing, been my I just pleasure. Want to it's say been really you- wonderful.
3: <laughs>
8: I, I just wanted to say something about um, Lucinda. She, she's absolutely brilliant. She's a publisher, she's a poet, and she's a wife. And she does them all well. And I just feel just honored to whenever I work with her. It's, just a, it's actually a thrill. Uh, this poetry yeah. challenge, Lucinda's getting quite a few people, and it's a way during the COVID-19 um, during COVID-19 that we as poets can, I believe, give to the community in in our own way through art and through sending a message of hope. Yeah. Well, well, Kim, I I, I want to piggyback because of something we did this morning. Um, We were asked to give uh, an experience to the STEM winners here in, um, uh, they were fifth graders, and we just kept running into a roadblock, running into a roadblock. We finally got the program together and then COVID 19 canceled it. I mean, we had it set up in a museum, the parents, the kids. We had worked with poets. Um, we were bringing the poet laureate down to, to be with them. And um, the t- one of the, t- we said, these kids work so hard, we're going to make it happen no matter what. And this morning, we actually um, shot the, um, the, the performance through technology through like uh, Google meet. And it just, it just, it just blew my mind how well it went. Um, it's, uh, uh, this, 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 uh, virus or pandemic has been a curse and a blessing at the same time. Um, poetry and po and poets, um, are, are, um, opening a gateway to creativity, sanity, and, um, uh, and, um, Mental health, and I just, uh, I just, I'm, I'm still shaking from the experience because I, I couldn't believe those young ladies actually pulled it off in different locations. Um, they got on and they performed. So, um, yeah, oh,
3: that's excellent, Lucinda. So, is that available? Can, can our audience, um, you know, go to a website and, and watch it?
8: Uh, yes, it's going to appear on the evening news here uh, in Augusta this evening, and uh, the the uh the teacher, Miss Jeffers, actually sent us a uh, a video. I think it's a video link, but um I will definitely share it.
3: Excellent. We'll we'll put it in the um uh uh in the description of, of the show. Okay. And and also if you could okay. um give us the website for your um your organization, your poetry organization so people can be in touch.
8: Okay. Um, uh, uh, if you just uh, go to Poetry Matters Project, not just po- Poetry Matters Project, um, we're posting a lot of uh, stuff on our Facebook page. Uh, we're on Instagram and uh, Twitter, and we, are, we actually have a, uh, a WordPress site that we need to update, um, but um, we, get, we have the links to the submittables um, challenge and everything there.
3: Okay. Awesome. Cool. Super. Wow. Well, thank you so much, um Lucinda. We we want to uh Shema's Shima, been been waiting patiently. Um any anything else?
8: Uh, uh I I think I just realized that Drew may Drew may not be with us, but that that's okay. I'm just checking the feed here. Uh Shema Actually, I have known Shima for a very long time as well, and uh, you know, I'll, I'll do her introduction. Uh, I met Shima uh, many years ago, I think, at a at a book fair, and uh, she was a translator. She translated uh, into languages. I think it was Farsi uh, in, in, into English, and uh, I would, I had the honor of publishing two of her projects. Uh, one was At Those in Exile, which is actually a one um, with several awards, and Seven Valleys of Love. Uh, she's an activist. She's a filmmaker. She's a mom. Uh, she's a, she, she does it all. She, she goes around. She uh, speaks at the uh, UN and in countries abroad. And um, it's a pleasure to be able to introduce her um, in this forum. Are you there, Shima?
9: Yes, thank you very much for that introduction, Lucinda. Yep,
8: yep, yep. And so um, if you're ready to go, we are here. We are listening.
2: For sure. The
9: first uh, one that I want to read for you is Mama in the War. It's um, because of the experience I had during the Iran-Iraq war in the 80s. Mother, underneath the stairwell, we learned to celebrate the new year, your birthday, my childhood, like a scene from a black and white movie. We laughed nervously. We talked of our melting flesh, the cake on the kitchen table, and cockroaches that flew on four wings. Mm.
8: Mm. <sighs> yeah, yeah. You, you have one more, yes?
9: Yes. This one is called 5.7. This is from Echoes in Exile. I don't care if you are you and I am I. I'm not some exotic flower. Whatever coat you have on, I will put it on to warm me. And the shoes, however small, I will walk in them to balance our height difference. You don't need to cover convert for me. I have already converted to you. You see, I never had a religion to begin with. I was born naked from all religion, but your love. I know that was not the point. I know there is no conversion. There is no coat, no balance, no shoes, but the naked truth of me finding you first, not you finding me. You whom will never know who I was when I was sitting on the white sheet. You not beside me. And the words that are already written, the words that are already said, are already felt, and are already gone. And I try to take them back into my empty bowl of hands to put my hands on the chest, the chest into rest, the rest into the heart, the beat back to the soul, the soul back to what it was before you. Alas, I am 5.7. Wow.
8: Wow. That is beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. That That's is the, absolutely it, it really amazing.
3: Is. Thank Yeah.
8: You. Yeah. So so are you working on anything right now, Shema?
9: Um, at present I'm just doing some activist work, uh, which is mainly focused on um uh, discussing uh underage uh Girls who are married off uh, around the world. That's what I've been working on. Yes.
8: Mm. It's a film, right? A documentary. Uh,
9: mainly, I'm talking at the different places. I mean, at present, not with the, you know, the pandemic and everything. But uh, hopefully, it will turn into a documentary. Yes.
4: Hmm. Mm.
8: Well, is there anything else you'd like to share with the uh, audience?
9: Um just thank you for listening to me.
8: Yeah. yeah. Uh,
3: yes, thank you. you. Yeah, thank, thank you, you for You're quite
8: Welcome. Absolutely
3: beautiful poetry. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Thank you. Mm. So we have uh we have two two um two poets in the studio. Did you say um that um uh that Drew is not going to be joining us?
8: I don't know. Is, is he on the line? Drew?
3: Um I'm not sure. Let me um let me unmute the mics. Uh, let's see. Uh Drew, are you with us? Um, uh
4: is
3: is it Vince? Vince, are you with us?
1: Vince, yes, I'm here. Oh, wow. good evening, morning. Oh, good Hi, Vince.
3: Kim, your brother, how cool. <laughs>
8: <laughs> now, but it, it, I it, I think the other um, poet might be Deli.
3: No, no, there, no. Vince is the only one. I am here. I am. Here. Oh, Ayo? Oh, oh, hey, Ayo Oh, cool. Well, you're uh-huh. you're next, Ayo Good to talk to right you. How are you? I'm hanging
10: in there uh, and making art. Just got through shooting a video from my yard
4: mm. uh, for
10: mm-hmm. Wuhan Jaguars' uh, upcoming joint.
4: Beautiful.
3: Nice, nice. Cool. Cool. Yeah, tell us about that. So, Kim, do you want to introduce your brother? And I'll introduce Ayodele I, uh Nzinga.
8: I think that's perfect. Well, my brother <laughs> is a resident of Pahoa, Hawaii. He's an avid vegan and he's a great supporter of a sustainable living by growing your own food. He's also a school bus driver and is known in the community as a coconut man because he sells coconut to the local markets and restaurants. Vince presents programs in the school system on the importance of the coconut, and through the business sells coconuts. Before the uh, coronavirus, he was selling to everyone, but of course we have social distancing distancing right now. Vince has been writing and performing poetry since he was 10 years old. On the mainland, Vince did television commercials, voiceovers, and films. His latest movie is Building Butterflies, which is soon to be released. How are you doing, Vincent? Or should I say, uh, um, not mahalo, (laughs) aloha.
1: (laughs) Well, aloha, yes. Aloha to all. It's a very beautiful morning (laughs) here as the sun's coming up in Hawaii. Beautiful.
8: Well, what time
1: is it there? It's it's 640-something. Oh, wow. We just got back nice. from a, a wonderful walk, my wife and mm. I. Mm-hmm. And I'm thankful to be able to come to you with this program, with this poetry. I, I appreciate your, your invitation.
3: Well, we appreciate oh, you your can. being here.
8: welcome. <laughs> yeah, we sure do. So what are you going to read today?
1: Okay. I'm going to uh, recite one of my poems that has a lot to do with just being Present, and it's called Awareness by Vince McMillan. If ever you feel like there's no place to go and your ordeals have dealt you their curse, let go. Let God fight your battle now. He's never failed to guide you through the worst. Of the feelings you carry, the anxiety you carry, you come to the end of your rung. Just your mind. Come inside and find a solace while the wage is being won. Thank you.
8: Oh, I love that, Vincent. When did you write that?
1: I wrote that a little while back, while I was probably doing another job. But it's very apropos at this moment.
8: Yeah, it is. Do you do you have any other poems you'd like to read?
1: I do. It's a love poem. And love is very important at this time that we all take the time and treasure love in all forms. This one happens to be personally of my wife, but I invite you all to share this with me and share this with someone else. It's called Through Your Eyes by Vince McMillan. Through your eyes I see the reflections of our love. In your eyes, I see you, seeing me, seeing us, running down the beach, laughing at the waves, feeling the soft sand giving beneath our feet. The glistening sun warming our skin, warming our hearts, warming our lives is shown in your eyes. In your eyes, I feel the caring prayers given to protect the children of our lives. In your eyes, I feel acceptance beyond our fears. Two loving hearts that let go and let God By the course of our lives is what we see in your eyes. Thank
4: you. Oh, I love that. that very <laughs> <laughs> <That's my> sexy. Voice. <laughs> wow. Yeah. yeah. Well, thank very you nice. Guys.
8: Very,
3: nice. very nice. Very nice.
8: Well, thank you for being on the show, Vincent. I really appreciate it. You know,
4: I think. It's an honor. That, <laughs> well, thank we thank
8: you. Thank you. And it was our honor, too. Take care, of Vincent.
1: Okay. I love you
8: all. Oh,
3: love Aloha. You, bye. Bye. Aloha. Bye. Aloha. So Enzinga, um, who is highly decorated with lots of academic accolades like an MFA and a PhD, uh, <laughs> uh, Dr. Enzinga is often uh, referred to as a Renaissance woman. She is a talented actress, a powerhouse spoken word artist, a lyricist, a published poet, a playwright, film and stage director, producer, recording artist, film writer, and offers a series of engaging motivational lectures, transformative workshops, and collaborative creative sessions as a means of creating space for group transformative, work, transformative workshops Wait a second, got lost. Oops, sorry. Let's yeah. see, let me start all over again. Um, collaborative creative space is a means of creating space for group <laughs> conversation. <laughs> Whoa. Call me. Uh, Dr. Nzinga is <laughs> a California awesome. artist who, in the tradition of the black arts continuum, uses performance as a method of inter-intra-group communication. She was the artistic director of the original Recovery Theater and its cult classic, Marvin X's One Day in the Life, the longest running African-American theater production in North America. She is the founding artistic director of the Sister Thea Bowman Memorial Theater, a 100-seat theater built in 2000 to facilitate uh, Dr. Nzinga's desire to use live live performance as a form of community engagement. Uh Dr. Nzinga is the founder producing director of the Lower Bottom Players Incorporated, Oakland, California's premier North America North American African theater company. I should have rehearsed that first. Sorry. Wow. <laughs> Good morning, <That> is... word slinger. <laughs>
4: Good morning.
3: Good morning. So, after morning. that ever so
10: illustrious uh Introduction, I bought you three pieces, and I'd love just to read for you. Um, The first two pieces are pieces that are from before the pandemic. Um, Mm -hmm. The first one is called uh, uh, On Freedom in a Sorrowland. The second piece is called Neither Wolf Nor Sheep. And the final piece is a response to COVID, and it's called Curtain Number One. So here we go with... uh, Freedom in a sorrow land. You can't be but soul free in a sorrow land, a place you were forced to, used, and discontinued, discarded to find a way out of no way, with obstacles piled higher than the mass of good ship Jesus. Stolen ancestors wait for reciprocity, praying we overcome. They waiting to inhale, can't breathe, still underwater, even the ones who did not. Jump from the ship We are free to limbo Free to continue in limbo Free to pop up from the bottom of the ship To the White House But can't free ourselves From the narrative of being disposable Shot down regularly Like animals we are preyed upon And sometimes Preying upon one another Master Mm sick, we sick Trying to make our ice as cold as his We seek recovery From pig scraps Kool-Aid and commodification while they make America great again. You can't be but so free when you reek of Ellison's invisible blues, while hypervisibility dehumanizes you, makes your children target, targeted for destruction called public education, uh, a prelude to incarceration or domestic deportation eaten by a machine we can't touch but are crushed by. Can't be so free uh. when you hooked on the hooks but think you fish it. divided against yourself, wondering why you can't get over as you look down at your feet, counting the steps you took to get nowhere in a rigged game where well, lies like independence celebrated by conquerors. You can't be but so free unless you overstand your duty to resist, exercise the freedom to try, be free enough to dare to struggle and prepare to win like a promise waiting to be fulfilled. Till you do that, you can only be but so free in sorrow land. This next piece is called Neither Wolf Nor Sheep. Prophets are often thrown into the lion's den, not knowing true lions or friends to gorillas in your midst, seeking higher paths, upholding righteousness, invested in the movement of the pendulum, the moral arc. Go ask Daniel. Go ask Wolfhog Jaguar. Come ask me. King said he believed the arc leaned towards good. Then they murdered King. Before Robert Christman died, He said, the ark is always moving, tugged one way, then another. I have said, its direction depends on the works of human hands, those willing to see and out naked emperors, wolves in sheep's clothing, tents and poly tricksters lined up to bleed the sheep. The ark and its direction, an eternal battleground where potential wages war with what is, what has been, carving room for what needs to be and those who would birth paradigms. This battle resists being wolf or sheep. You will be known by the works of your hands. Your hands will be judged by the reality they allowed to be created. We are all there is. We are the pendulum. We are breath of the wind when it swings, swing, battle swing. We are the dull-sounding third of finality when it lands like a lead dime on now. I walk the road after King, after Christmas, after Malcolm. I am pragmatically optimistic like Cornel West. I aspire to be a shepherd, a freedom fighter like and a clear light like Bellafani, a gift to struggle like Glover, a straight razor like Marvin X, a Joshua like Baraka. Neither wolf well. nor sheep. A voice clearly heard by both. A clarion calling hands to the work of moving the pendulum. Neither wolf nor sheep. Walking forward, mm-hmm. awake in the eyes of storm, standing on yesterday, holding court for tomorrow, invoking with the constant prayer of moving hands a birthplace for a new paradigm. Wow. This last piece is called curtain number one. Before you rush back, as you pray to rewind, if you make it back to the rat race, I'm gonna need you to remember this face. Welcome to the sure. ride. Keep your hands, feet, and the ass inside. What did you think was behind curtain number one? What do naked emperors wear? Absolutely nothing, y'all. You're gonna learn today. A paycheck away to no paycheck. See, it really don't matter how many fiddles the head fiddler play. He ain't Nero, but this might be wrong. What instrument you playing? Are your eyes open? See Malcolm told you yesterday. That tomorrow belongs to those who prepare the day What instrument were you playing yesterday Were you ready when the song ended What did you think was behind curtain number one My hands bled before Clorox Trying to pick them locks And get you into the room behind the curtain Where all the cage birds cry. Are your eyes open See I played the drum What instrument you play Canaries in coal mines don't need conspiracy theories. They are the messengers crying out the lesson. And most of the time, it don't matter how it starts. You got to be in it to win it. You got to go in to come out. Well, we in, it's raining on everyone's house. So what can Mm -hmm. we take out of this moment Of swinging pendulums In a land of naked emperors To help us remember This pace. What instrument You playing?
5: Thank
10: you Awesome
4: wow. Oh, wow. <laughs> Three dance three Great oh, Wow
3: Thank you
8: Beautiful (laughs) Yeah. Mm -hmm.
3: So um, Ayodele Do you want to give your website So people can find out uh, Sort of what you are doing um, You know In all of your various um, You know projects You can find
10: more of My poetry at Aandzinga.com Please check out the lower bottom players At www.lowerbottomplayers.com I have a new book coming out called Sorrel, uh, Sorrel, uh, Oracle in a Sorrowland" Land by Nomadic Press. Um, it uh, is in the, you know, COVID stops everything, but it's in the process of, of, of going to print. And we are still planning BAM Fest in Black August. It will be a totally digital event, so stay tuned because we're going to want you to plug in for all the art and the culture. And uh, political education, we plan to deliver to you in the month of August.
4: Okay. Well,
3: wow. righty. We will stay. We will stay tuned. Awesome, awesome. Thank you so much, Ayo. It's really lovely. All right. Peace and blessings. Thank stay you. Stay yeah. Peace Beautiful. and blessings. Stay safe. hmm Peace. So I think uh, Ziggy and Raymond are in the studio. Yes, we are. Oh.
8: How are
3: Beautiful. you? Hi, Wanda. How are you? Oh, I'm good. I'm good. Hey, yeah. Raymond. How are you?
6: Hey, Wanda. What's happening? I think I hear Kim Kim there with you, too. Is that right? Yes, yes that's right.
3: Definitely. <laughs> Kim
4: Kim. Yay. Hi. <laughs> oh, oh, Hi. Raymond and, and Kim we, we got to hear Go your
8: brother. I know. I I just appreciate everyone here today. And Raymond, Ziggy, I love you. You're like the brother Mm -hmm. and sister I never had. Well, I do have Uh brothers, but still, (laughs) I'm just so tickled that you're here. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) Well, I I just want to talk about the work you do. The the work that um, Raymond and Ziggy do helps artists. It's Raymond um, is uh, he works with the National Writers Union and does tremendous tremendous things and Ziggy with Ziggy and Raymond with Upsurge. When I first heard heard Upsurge years ago, I knew that was a winner. The group <laughs> Upsurge, well, it just encompasses so much artistically that is absolutely beautiful and speaks to the heart of artists, and and as co-leads to the jazz poetry ensemble, Upsurge, you all have just tremendously changed, uh, to me, how we view jazz and poetry together. Um, Wow. In fact, um, Raymond is called the town crier, Um, and He's, he, do you all consider yourself New York poets now or basically um, just world poets, so to speak?
11: <laughs> <laughs> well, that,
8: that's pretty awesome. I'll, I'll, if you wanted to name us that, you can. <laughs> well, I, I, I do. You travel, you read your poetry everywhere. Um, Raymond has... Uh, Read at the Harriet Tubman Centennial Symposium in Albany, New York, where he's considered a special son. Turner is the artistic director of, of course, ups, Upsurge, and he has appeared at numerous um, festivals and venues, um, including the Monterey Jazz Festival, and uh, I believe it's Panifest in Ghana, West Africa. Currently, he is poet in residence at the Black Agenda Report, You've got to read that. It's it's so important. And Ziggy has quite a few acting credits, including the Lysistrata project, the Stein-Tolklis project, and John Brown's Truth, an improvised musical. And you both have been able to transcend what I consider the the – you move beyond poetry and to become a type of truth sayers about the world that we're living in right now and how we can change things in that world. Um, so are you going to read together or are you planning to read separate pieces? Kim. I was going to say Kim. Kim. Oh, yes, hello? Yeah, I have oh, a quick yeah, question. Yeah, you're still here. Because I was, I was listening as you were reading and I had a quick question because um, are, are, are both of you – still in New York?
4: <laughs>
8: That's the question of the hour. We actually came out, here. We came out here to do a couple of gigs. Raymond was getting honored by, by City of Berkeley with a Raymond Nat Turner Day, actually, and he had a gig, and we also had some personal business um, here, and we ended up being here doing some moving of our belongings that we had left still left some belongings here and then we got the shelter in place order and we heard the news from New York and by the grace of our current landlady here we are able to stay longer here so we're actually in Oakland right now oh good wow. good good. yeah I saw New York and I was like oh my goodness Oh, th- have we, you know we, 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 we feel for you, um, Thank you. Uh, I'm originally yeah. from Philly so I know it's a, it's a tough mm-hmm. it's been tough that part of the part of the yeah. country, yeah. We're yeah. in touch daily with our folks back there too, so it's, it's it's one step there. But we're very grateful to be here. Okay. Yes. Yeah. And, and then just one more follow-up question because it's Jazz Appreciation Month. So what's happening mm-hmm. there? I, I mean, poetry. We're 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 doing it, right, ladies? <laughs> what, what's Definitely. What's happening with uh, Jazz Appreciation Month? Mm-hmm.
4: Um. Well,
8: because uh, one thing we know is that jazz artists are being reached out to by different organizations for emergency funds, and um, we're in touch with our drummer friend who came from here and is in New York now, and it's it's challenging. I mean, um, definitely challenged times. But one um, one artist here who has been in our group, um, Tammy Hall, is doing live Facebook uh, concerts, and um, she did one. One recently with Kim Nally, who she's accompanied a lot, and she's also did a solo one before that. So some people are finding innovative ways to to keep doing things online, and but it is it's a hard time for sure. Yes, yeah, yeah. Well, please share. Please share any information you have, because uh, we've got some jazz musicians down here um, who I think may be able to reach out. Great. And where are you located? Uh, I'm in Augusta, Augusta, Georgia, oh, where, yeah, uh, yeah the, I, I have pictures where it, it doesn't have a pandemic down here. People are riding around,
10: no masks,
8: no gloves, just, oh, my goodness, it's crazy, it's crazy. Oh, boy. And there's, I know there's um, meat processing plants or chicken process some some process, food processing plants that are really hit hard in Georgia right now. So those workers are bringing it home to they families and communities, so I don't know how yeah. Yeah. that education yeah. has to be, that consciousness, raising the consciousness, that's what we're trying to do. Yeah, well, I'm just going to break my hand because I I just want to be positive. I'm not going to respond because I'll just say I'm in Trumper country, so that that to say it all. <laughs> well, what were you, what were you planning to read today? Excuse me, excuse me, I butt in across the room. I don't know the rules here, but I know we were once from the same tribe. Threads from tattered flags pull me towards you. Float along the ocean that fools the eye with its expanse. We are salt. We are water. We are sand. Pogroms and rays marches and parades, a border, a wall, we've seen them all, we stand for migrant justice. So toss ice on the rocks, their kinder transport and roadblocks, families carry refugee heartache, no rules to follow, no laws to break, threads from tattered flags, grim tales stuffed in bags, holding your child's hand. We are salt. We are water. We are sand. No rules to follow. No laws to break. For now, we woke and won't let go. We are the embrace. And to you, your generations, I am tethered. Somos unidos. Alejano mens. We are salt, we are water, we are sand, we are one.
12: Beautiful.
8: Thank you. That was published in the first iteration was in Writers Resist and, um, and, wow, I'm just Based on the web <laughs> No, it wasn't the was like, rabbit. Based on where it was recently um, Published But anyway Thank you for that And um, Raymond, do you
6: want to do one then? Yeah, I could do something <speaking stans> Coronavirus is coming across treacherous food deserts. Their red-lined decades of diabetes, over hills of hypertension, steep mountains of medical neglect, over shattered ruins of poverty like a good traveler. Simple and silent, appreciative of hosts beneath stars and bars, below the Canadian border. Coronavirus is coming. Untested and pallbearer, perfect Nazi responses, hiding, spreading, then strangling those we know and love, those we'd love to know, leaving us bereft of bent note goodbye. Gospel release, sermonized hugs, and second-line send-offs on tsunamis of tears. Coronavirus is coming on nightmarish memories, taunting winds, hovering helicopters, flying over and past rooftops of dehydrated, white-towel-waving families and exposing emaciated capitalism's cruel curve, its toxic tendency to kill us again and again and again. We charge genocide again, shattering the champagne caviar crowd's fractured fairy tale. We are all in this together. Coronavirus is coming, pulling puny payoffs, rent short and smelling like selection hush money downwind of trillions to bail out artists working in capitalist guilds like their ATM. Coronavirus is coming, questioning. If not now, when? When will we stop? four dances of death, whirling in infantile fear, clinging to trousered legs of saviors. Coronavirus is also coming in park car demonstrations and 7 p.m. serenades to the essential class. Coming in balconies of banging pots and pans, wordless droplets of the International in a thousand tongues, infecting us with solidarity and four-part harmony. Coronavirus is also coming soft of the earth with wildcat strike, thick out militants, coming with Arab spring fever and general strike cough coming, expelling, green tina. There is no alternative phlegm. And capitalism has no vaccine for 30 60s syndrome. No antidote for fierce symptoms. Closed eyes, woke, dreaming, wild, humongous dreams. Life over death. People over profits, owning those machines, planning production according to need—because the impossibles, all that's realistic right now.
8: Wow! Thank you, Raymond. That was beautiful.
4: Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Wow. Wow.
8: Yeah. Oh, and a real reminder of what we're going through. Yeah. And,
4: and, mm-hmm. Yeah, especially mm-hmm. as
8: artists and everyone. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you mm-hmm. all have anything else you'd like to read or do together, what? um a poem or anything? Um what is the time what's the time frame?
3: Um you'd have uh, uh, Wanda.
8: do we have any time?
3: Um, yeah. Um, how much? How much time do you need? Um, <laughs> with regards oh, to time frame. Asked, oh,
4: it's that? Because <laughs> <laughs> um, I was
3: thinking um, we could go until ten thirty, and so um, so you could do um, you could do a couple, and then maybe um, maybe Lucinda, um, maybe she might want to do a poem. Because it's been a couple of weeks since we've had you on. Okay, I will be. Where's my book? Okay, I'll, I'll be searching.
8: <laughs> okay. Yeah. All right. Okay. Okay. Um. Okay. Well, I'll I'll take the opportunity. Then thank you. Um. To do uh something from a collection I've been working on called the uh, Found Subway Poems. And the working title right now for the collection is Stand Clear of the Closing Doors, Rearranged Sound Language from the New York City Subways, and it's dedicated to the transit workers. Found Subway Poem Number 28. Your 90-day pay cycle doesn't work with my 30-day rent cycle. Free summer meals for everyone. Donate blood now, new and used. Found Subway Poem 49. Do not lean on over 200,000 doctors who are nothing short of extraordinary New York City patients, a different kind of March madness. Found Subway Poem number 37. Please step aside and let the... Hard working passengers off the train with benefits such as groceries and more delivered to your door. Found Subway Home Number 46. A tiny rebel against culinary convention, each wild caught filet an Arctic prize. Refinance your student loans, fresh ramen noodles eaten with abandon. Bound Subway poem number twenty-seven. Bed bath in the Bronx. Balance rewards. New York City works better. I can be there for my sick dad. Why am I upside down? Found Subway poems Change, Class, and Social Justice. Deferred Action for Childhood Arrival. DACA. Are prisons obsolete? Angela Y. Davis. Only when we love do we see the real person We offer a very unique soul-searching tool Everything you and your team need to work fearlessly Changing this crazy, mixed-up world Ladies and gentlemen, panhandling in the subway is against the law Learn a trade that pays free returns Change, change, change Sorry to bother you, I'll make this fast Me and my daughter, change, change The North Face, closer than you think. Songs for sabotage. Trying to put a decent meal together. Can anyone help? Change. Change. You can't sit here. You're dirty. He's allowed to sit wherever he wants. Just saying, not next to me. Just keeping it real. He can't sit here. This is not your train. This is public transportation. Yeah, and I'm allowed free speech. This is America, the Constitution. Get powerful human rights. Flip to empowered career development. Now you can have beautiful aging skin. We'll take it from here. Starving artist, activist, model. Satisfy your craving for zero human contact. Daddy, I walk past when New York eats. The courageous class. Redefining time. Redefining now. Redefining an emergency break. Excuse me. Moving is prohibited. Lean, lean, lean. Stand clear on what can be.
3: Thanks, Vicky. Uh, Raymond, do you have another
11: one?
6: Yeah. Okay. A thief, a dog, in a rug, a tree, D.C., a lie, a cheat, embellish and broader, a lying disorder, a myth, a fable, a bit unstable, flim, flam, clap, trap, bump, bump, bull bullcrap, an empty wagon, a puffed-up dragon, a whopper, a fib, you peep from your grip, a sham, a fake, a major mistake, pathological lying, false flag flying, a grope, a trope, bad jokes, breast strokes, a grope of a crock, another man not, where they debauch over water and scotch, a trumped-up story, copying bull glory, a foot in the mouth for strategy south, pie in the sky, a bare face lie, a pig in the Ruling some lies, playing fast and loose with Jim Jones juice. A masquerade, a Nazi parade. A fake great nation, same plantation. A bug in a hall, a fly on the wall. A great big whale, an ongoing tale. A parade in July, another big lie. A wink of an eye, enough outcry. A D a, a clown in a rug, a tree, D.C., a lie, a time for feet in the street, sustaining street. <laughs> I love oh, it. Thank you. That was
3: Ziggy,
8: great. Ziggy, both of your poems were just absolutely wonderful. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks for doing this thank and for booing all the poets up. You're keeping us just in spirit. Very, It's really important to feed us this way and for us to feed back and to have this loop going. And thank you, Wanda, and thank you, Kim, and thank you, all the
6: poets. Yeah. Uh, and then I, the same, I would say what I say oftentimes at events, that uh, Wanda is uh, a community treasure, resource, and has always strove to keep us all connected. And if I say that about one, that applies equally to Kim McMillan. So you two are genuine treasures uh, that Oakland should really uh, put in bronze and gold or whatever (laughs) precious metal they choose.
8: That's so sweet of you. I I really hope that I get to see you both before you go back to New York. I'd really, I'd love that. But I I, depends on the shelter in place. We we have to just follow
3: shelter in place. You know. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Well, thank you. I'm so happy that you all are like so close. We could we could touch you like almost. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And and then Raymond, uh, Kim, and I, you know, we're 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 Gemini, you know. Oh yes. Uh, Ken too, so you, you know. Kim yeah, Kim. June eighteenth. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. Wow. Mhm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 yeah, Raymond, you're hey, June first, and I'm June twentieth. Mhm. Yeah. And wow. then and then Ziggy, um, are you an Aquarius? That's right. You remember? One. Yeah, and my daughter was <laughs> born on your birthday. Your daughter. So my oh, granddaughter's born. Yeah. I think my granddaughter is born on your birthday, yeah. On the 22nd, January 22nd. Right, that's my granddaughter, yeah. Oh, uh-huh.
11: my God. How yeah. are
3: your daughters? Oh, they're both good. Thanks for asking. Yeah, my grandchildren yeah. are doing well as well. Mhm. Oh, my God. <laughs> How many? Um, four.
6: <gasps> wow. Chasene, Chasene Chasene had
3: two? Tessine has a new one, yeah.
6: Oh, my God, what, 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 she has a little girl?
3: No, two boys. Two, oh, my
6: God, wow. Yeah,
3: <laughs> yeah isn't that amazing, Raymond?
4: Yeah. You've known it, know, she was know. a child. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, hmm, is...
6: yeah. And Belalia has yeah. two, what, does she a girls?
3: Ah, uh, she has a girl who was born on Ziggy's birthday and a son. Mm-hmm. They're the older two oh. grandchildren.
6: Wow.
4: Mm-hmm. Awesome. Yeah. It's
3: beautiful. Awesome. Okay. Well, wow. All right. So wow. thank you both so much. And we'll have to take you know, care. Definitely be in touch. Okay. Okay. We can
8: say um you're going to continue. I think we we will we're just going to put this on mute for right now. And but we we'll oh, can sure. listen to. Till- um, yeah. Oh, yes, yeah, certainly, certainly. <laughs>
3: beautiful,
8: beautiful. Okay. Um, uh, yes, I have, and actually, after listening to um, friends, you're listening to your um, conversation there of uh, old friends getting back together, possibly, um, but being able to reach out during this time of uh, pandemic, I want to say for myself. And all of the poets who have been allowed to um, get airtime during the pandemic with all of our cancellations and disappointments, I wanted to um, read this poem titled Chances Are and mm. dedicated to you, Kim, and to you, Wanda, and to thank you. Thank you, thank for, you. The, for the opportunity. Oh, thank you. Um, thank you. It's called, yeah, it's called Chances Are. Is it a gift that once given cannot be taken back, or is it an opportunity? I believe a chance is an opportunity. The goal, a lesson. For a person who gives something, someone or someone a chance is learning to trust. The receiver is learning humility. Outcome. The giver learns if the gift was accepted as intended, the receiver must show that it was. Why? Because chances, like gifts, may come once in a lifetime. For both giver and receiver, and as in the beginning, expectations are everything. Thank you. And thank you
4: yeah. for thank giving
8: you. us a chance. Thank you. Uh, th- this is w- this has been so beautiful. I just feel like it's like been a communal poetry program. It's I, it's absolutely lovely. I and thank you, Wanda, for allowing us to do this. It means so much to so many yeah. of us. Yeah. So if uh, you guys ever come out this way, people don't come to Augusta on purpose. But when you get to Atlanta. <laughs>
4: It's Atlanta.
8: Shout us out. We'll get in the car and uh, come on over and uh, uh, <laughs> have a powwow
3: That'd be nice. Thank you. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. People don't come to a customer on purpose. <laughs> yeah, except yeah, for the well, they're, they're gonna they're gonna have to start making you a destination, right? Not that they don't. Right. If you're
8: there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yes, indeed. Well, for the masters. Mm. Come back for the Masters mm. in November. Yes, right. Yeah. Okay. But is there anything well, we can do for you, Wanda? Oh, um,
3: you no. Know, just keep writing, and we'll have to have you on again. Um, you know, okay. all of you, and you know, not as, you know, we we are, you know, we are, we're friends now. You know, so yeah, we'll have to do this again. And, I, and I'm going to definitely get to the challenge. I haven't done it yet, but I'm going to get to your challenge. I was going to say no pressure, <laughs> but I'll be on the lookout. <laughs> right, <laughs> yeah.
8: Well, if oh, there are okay, no more –
3: um, oh, sorry, go ahead.
8: No, no, I was going to say, Kim, my friend, I – I mean, words, no words. Um, you said I was brilliant. No, you're brilliant. You bring people together. You bring light and life into um, into dark places. I, I I don't know what I would have done if you hadn't uh, returned the text there. Thank you so much. Thank now you're going to so make much. me cry. So, <laughs> thank you. Well Wanda, would you mind if I read a, a really short, short poem? I, I wrote it about Hawaii.
3: Oh, yeah, certainly. Go ahead.
8: It, it, I wrote it a long time ago, but it just feels,
3: it would be good to read now. It's called Peri
8: and Yemenwa, The Goddesses. I was born from the ocean. I am made of sand, rocks, and seashells. Blue and white waves caress me into being. My skin is as black as coral. That in Hawaiian is called ekahao Moana. I lay on the beach and talk to the ocean. Yemanya, ocean goddess, did you swim with the mermaids today? I brought flowers for you because today I go to the ocean to be reborn. And that's mm. it. Okay. Oh, so that was- wow. Oh, okay. oh yeah. Mm. Well, yeah, I we
9: have
4: I a couple that we're of things. Born. I love that, Kim. Oh,
3: thanks. Mm-hmm. But
8: I do feel like we're being reborn. I believe that what's happening to us is changing us. And although it may seem horrible now, but in, we are going through our own fire. And after that, parts of us that were perhaps in pain will be healed. I, I think we're learning, at least I'm learning, about friendship. When we cannot touch a person, we can call them, we can text them, we can write them, and people have been doing that since this mm-hmm. pandemic started. i'm amazed at how many people are reaching out to each other, and that's
3: beautiful mm-hmm. right yeah okay. uh, I want to make a couple of announcements um uh before um Oh well, maybe we'll still be in the other part of the show. Um, but I want to let everyone know that uh the African Diasporic uh, Religious Studies Association um is having its uh eighth conference online and it starts let's see, it started at I think uh nine o'clock Eastern time.
7: <laughs> so
3: um so it, it starts at twelve o'clock Pacific time, and it's it's this whole weekend today um, and tomorrow and Sunday uh, today there are going to be some really really wonderful um, lectures. the uh, The title is called um, "The Theme is Wind and Fire, Honoring the Divine Feminine and Masculine in Africana Religions," and in uh, in the uh, conference is going to explore the conceptions of gender, femininity, and masculinity, and how these forms. Uh, and interact in Africana religious culture and practice and uh there are featured panel discussions, denders and, and there's even a featured artist. And so um I don't know if you know Baba uh John Mason, but he's the author of Orisha, New World Black Gods and also in Praise of Our Mothers and numerous other titles and he is he is like phenomenal. And there's going to be, tomorrow there's going to be a film festival and an African dance class, and there are vendors. And then on Sunday there's going to be a special um, a special presentation. And uh, it's almost like a pay what you can, because um, uh, Ia Funlayo um, wanted to make it accessible. So um, $30 to $5 to pay what you can. So it's really, really great. So, um, so I wanted to let folks know about that because that's going on right now. If you're in in New York, and it's you know we'll be able to tune in a little bit in a little bit, and uh, and then also for um, people who are sort of looking for um, tools, the uh, real stories of women's empowerment um, continue tomorrow uh, on Saturday 2 to the 3 p.m. Pacific time and uh it's being hosted by Leah Davis and uh dev Aptar and uh Leah was on my show last week and um and that is um I have that information on uh my website and uh and then tomorrow also at there's <laughs> a lot of stuff happening this weekend there are so many webinars and other types of conversations happening. So tomorrow, um, not tomorrow, excuse me. uh, Yeah, tomorrow, April 18th at 12 p.m. Pacific, uh, excuse me, 12 p.m. Central Time, um, there's going to black psychologists respond to COVID-19 pandemic. And it's a Zoom and Facebook Live uh, conversation with, oh, my goodness, there are so many folks that are going to be um, presenting. Uh, It's moderated by Zetha Nobles, uh, international educator in the United States, Nigeria, Kuwait, um, of the United Arab immigrants in Jamaica, and her father, Dr. Wade Nobles, the founding member of the and past president of ABCI, he's in California and Texas, and so many other other um, uh, psychologists and psychiatrists are going to be talking about our mental health helping yourself and your children, maintaining cultural grounding while self-isolating, restoring well-being and health during stressful times, and what to do if you need help, living better in a time of crisis, spiritual healing, et etc. et cetera. So that is tomorrow, and it's free. And I have a flyer um, um, on my blog that you can uh, look at, and you might be able to put this in a search engine black psychologists respond to COVID nineteen pandemic. And then tonight, uh Dorsey Nunn of the um Legal Services for Prisoners with Children is going to be in a conversation with uh some lawyers talking about what's going on with our folks that are incarcerated and those that are being released and uh and what people who are advocates can do to help and what resources are available. And let's see, anything else. I got so many flyers. Uh oh, um there is uh a series that ends this coming Thursday. Uh it's a African American um town hall and it concludes on Thursday. It's from eleven to one. And it's um it's being hosted by um I think it's called Bay Area Connects. But anyway, um I have that link. And my website as well wandapiix dot com <laughs> and also on my blog um are there any um any resources uh any of you all might might want to share
8: um, can i can I send them to you uh can I send you the links with the information i I'm, I'm in my oh, closet sure. my my dogs are <laughs> Oh sure.
3: So. <laughs> yes, yeah, certainly, you can send them to me and I'll I'll put them up. Yes, no problem. No problem. <laughs>
4: okay. Okay.
3: <laughs> well, thank you. Okay. All righty. So, um Thank you. Yeah, thank you all so much for for joining us today, and I'm going to conclude with um with a uh, interview I had a while back um It was uh, last year, um, October 17th through 20th, uh, Adia Tamar Whitaker, uh, who is in New York. I'm not certain if she's here or in New York, probably in New York now. But she produced what was called a bluesicle, and it was so lovely at um, ODC um, Theater in San Francisco. And uh, it's a really wonderful piece, and she tells some really wonderful stories. It was uh, a performance piece that had writing uh, so it had uh, singing and poetry and it was just simply awesome and so this is the interview i'm going to read i'm going to play now with her and uh, so that's how we're going to close out the rest of the time for the show so thank you so much mm-hmm. for joining us for another edition of wanda's picks and we'll be back on wednesday uh earth day at eight o'clock mm-hmm. pacific time mm-hmm. Thank you. Right. Thank, <laughs> Thank, you.
8: Thank you, peace and
6: blessings.
3: You're welcome, peace and Bye bye. Bye <laughs> bye. Well, we were supposed to be starting with, uh, <laughs> um, with a uh, giant trinity, but oh well, we'll just get started and try it again a little later. We are so excited to have Adia Tam- uh, Tamar Whitaker in the studio to talk about um, the uh, Ache Dance Theater Collective's West Coast premiere of Have No, K in parentheses, N O apostrophe, and then W. Have No Fear of blues and that's going to be October 17th through 19th. And Adia um, uh, Tamar-Whitaker is artistic director of this 19-year-old Brooklyn-based dance theater ensemble, Ashe Dance Theater Collective, and this performed contemporary dance, vernacular movement, Afro-Haitian and Haitian dance in the United States and abroad for 17 years. Like, oh my goodness, where did the time fly, right, Adia? Right. Yep. <laughs> wow, like amazing. You're getting ready to have your 20th anniversary next year. Like, wow, awesome, I know, awesome. it's been a long time. It's been a long mm-hmm. time of doing this work. Yeah, and you've been traveling all throughout the world, you know, in the uh, African diaspora and elsewhere, Haiti or IET. Cuba, France, Germany, Spain, the Netherlands, Belgium, Ghana, Jamaica, and Trinidad. And when you're there, um, uh, you both study and teach dance. And you received your MFA in dance from Holland's University, which is yeah, in Yeah, I just
2: completed that. I
3: just completed Congratulations. That. That was... Thank you,
2: thank you very much. That was a lot of hard work, but I made it through, yeah, not really a <laughs> academic type of uh, person, but you know, mm-hmm. I just had to get my freedom papers some more freedom papers.
3: I totally understand, yeah, yeah, and Virginia, you know um sort of honoring the four hundredth anniversary of of the commonwealth uh you know entrance into um you know this particular hemisphere as uh a a place that had African people, you know, as possessions. Um, so that was in August. And so where's Holland's in relationship to um
2: Oh uh, Hampton? I you know, I don't know where it is in relationship to Hampton, but H Ho- Holland's was an old plantation. So it's what? just a deep yeah, it was an old plantation. And so the people, the descendants of the Africans that lived on that plantation, and and worked as enslaved Africans still live on the land and are the groundskeepers, and they work in the cafeteria, and you can visit this like the graveyard of a family. The, I think it's the Locke family. They have their mm-hmm. graves in one place, and then they have the graves of their enslaved Africans there as well. So Hollins was deep. I could I didn't get over to the graveyards because it was just such such a journey for me but um, mm-hmm. just being on the land where Africans were enslaved and everybody knows it and then I guess it turned into a spa at some point and then after mm-hmm. that since Holland is a un- women's university there were mm-hmm. those young women that attended there were allowed to have a young black woman as their kind of helper
0: to help mm-hmm.
2: them I don't know carry their books or just I don't know just basically work for them so that's kind mm-hmm. of an interesting kind of strangeness that was also going on there. And it also is on indigenous land. We have to also mm-hmm. remember that before all mm-hmm. of our ancestors got there, it was indigenous land. So there's a lot of strong, like, psychic and spiritual energy just on the campus of Holland's because it's really old. And in the middle of the campus, there's a big, you know, like a big circle with a cross in the middle. So for me, it's mm-hmm. a Dekenga, It's a big Congolese, you know, cosmogram in the middle yeah. of the quad with four houses on each side. So there's lots of energy there. And also when I was, I uh, one of the parts of, big parts of Have No Fear, um, I refer to Margaret Wise Brown's book, Good Night Moon, the children's book. And so there was this big ballroom on campus that had this big green carpet, and every time I'd go in the room, I'd be like, in the great green room, there was a telephone, and I'd get all excited, but there wasn't a whole lot of parents there, so it didn't really mean as much to my cohort as it did to me, but every time I would go in that room, I would just, like, even under my breath, I would recite this, in the great green room, there was a telephone, And one day I went to the student union, and I saw her book in the student union. I'm like, oh, my God, this book has been a part of my life since I've had children. I've had to read it for eight years. I've memorized it. And I was like, do you have Mm -hmm. children's books on campus? And they said, no, we just have her book because she's an alumni. And so Mm. I went back and I looked at some more information to find out if she had been in the room that I would mm-hmm. go into and have this urge to say lines from her book and it turned out that at the time she went to school there it was a cafeteria so she was absolutely in that space. So mm-hmm. that's one of the the like kind of connected tissues that that I was like, okay, let me figure out why this dead white woman is talking to me. Because mm-hmm. she's an ancestor as well and I need to figure out what she what her what her connection to my work is because Every time i go in that space, I'd, I'd say those lines, and then when it was time to pick our the place we would perform for our thesis, I was like, I don't want to do it in the theater. I need to do it in that ballroom because it was like a gazebo ceiling, a big shiny chandelier, and I don't even know if my ancestors would have been allowed in that space except to be in service of all the very, very dead white people on the walls because the whole space was surrounded by pictures of the Locke family, all these white elders and scholars, so I'm Mm -hmm. sure that my family would not have been allowed in that room at all if it were not in service, Um, so I was like, well, because I know that we probably weren't allowed in this room, I'm about to do this right here underneath your shiny (laughs) crystal chandelier on your green carpet in front of all, and it gave such a a a backdrop to the choreography and the singing and what we were doing because, you know, we brought drums up there, we were barefoot, we had socks, but it wasn't, it was definitely not what we would have been able to do between the 15th and the 18th century, you know?
4: Mm hmm
3: (laughs) Wow, this is so amazing. Yeah, wow, place is everything, isn't it? Right, right, it
2: totally is. And I think that you know, like I was getting a lot of people like, you know, with with us performing at ODC, it's a Mm -hmm. completely, you know, this piece or these, you know, everything that we're going to present was really, I got to a place in performing in the concert stage where I was like, you know, it wasn't enough for me anymore. And I'm like, you know, the people that inspire most of the work that a lot of artists do don't get to see it right maybe they can't afford to come to the show maybe they have so many life things that are keeping them from the theater so really this piece was designed as a model of like performance art protests and action because i was like you know it's fine to do it in the theater but theater is a very sanctioned space and i'm interested in the spaces where we don't have permission like rosa parks didn't ask for permission she just said no you know you don't you don't ask permission for the revolution to happen or for resistance to happen. And so I was like, you know, I feel like we're in a time where there's so much performing of the progressive and of the revolution and of resistance, but people are not really willing to be uncomfortable or to put their lives on the line. And the United States is one of the only places where we can at this time, maybe not in a couple of weeks or in a month, I have an opportunity to present a work like this and not be murdered, and that you know I'm very I'm very present with the privilege that I have to be able to present this work, whether it's on the street or whether it's in a theater.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna run. Keep on running through your your bio, and then I want us to talk more about about what you call um, this work and undoing spell to untie all the knots that choke the future from natural disasters and systemic oppression to forced migration. It's a work of both healing and resistance. And um notice that um you uh you came through, you know, that wonderful institution, uh I don't know what it's looking like now in, in San Francisco San Francisco State University. But you were probably there when all those wonderful um Elder women, African women Teachers were there And I want to pour an ashe to um, To Dr. Uh, nasisi Kayu who, who made right. her transition Ashe nasisi
11: Yep, those those were the
2: ones That came and got me Not um, mm-hmm. Dr. Dr. nasisi Kayu Was my teacher Dr. Byrd is my teacher Alicia mm-hmm. Pierce is my teacher Malanga Kastelor mm-hmm. is my teacher Carlos Aventuno is my teacher. Mm Riciso is my teacher. Um so many teachers. Miss Blanche Brown (laughs) is my teacher. Mm -hmm. Michelle Martin is my teacher. Portia Jefferson is my teacher. All of them. They all they all brought me into being who I think I am right now. And um I didn't really know you know, I didn't know I was a regular Frisco San Francisco. Youth I didn't know anything about no Conscious nothing and no drums I just Went to San Francisco State because I was in upward Bound and I got that's the college I got into so Mm -hmm. When I met all these people They really came and got me it wasn't I was like no I'm gonna you know be A journalism major or something And they were like no 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 no. You need to come on over here and I Was like no I'm not gonna Be able to survive as a dancer I don't Want to be uh and I had all these notions About like what an artist you know, like what it is to be an artist and how I would just be struggling and hungry. And even though that happens sometimes, I just you know, I always have to thank them for pushing me and <laughs> chasing me down and being like, No, 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 no. You come over here.
3: <laughs> oh, wow, that is so awesome. So so tell us about tell us about the work, um, because there, there are a lot of a lot of parts to it. And also I wanna mention that, um that you um you were part of uh, the the uh, what is it the professional you got a professional division U.S. independent studies program something or another at Ailey School. Oh
2: yeah, uh, I just I just went, that's how I came to New York. Is I I got done at San Francisco mm-hmm. State in 2000, and then when I was coming, I was didn't know what I was going to do, so I bought a ticket to Cuba because I was like, let me just go and see if I'm just going to travel the world and study dance. Which I, You know, I ended up doing it anyway, but I I just didn't know what I was going to do. And like at the last minute, I think my mom got tickets to see um, Ailey at the Zeller Block and Ron mm-hmm. Brown did Grace in that show. So ah. was the Ailey Company was performing and Ron Brown, I did Grace and I had never seen anything like it. And so because I saw Grace, I decided I was going to audition for the Ailey School the next day because I wasn't going to. I had auditioned the year before, and I didn't get in. And so I was like, "Mm, you know, maybe I'll go see the show. So I went to see the show, and at the last minute I was like, I'm going to audition. I went to Berkeley, I auditioned, and then I got into the Professional Division Independent Study Program. And then so that was June, and then I was in New York in September. Oh, wow. And then I started performing (laughs) in December. Oh, my. I was, wow. You know, Yeah, it was quick. It was a quick little, this is your destiny, you know, moment.
3: Yeah, yeah. It seems like you, you get those kind of calls. Like, they're, you know, you don't have to wander around. It's like, this is what we want you to do, the ancestors are yeah. telling us.
2: Right. Yeah, that's
3: nice. You know, sometimes you yeah, have to wander nice. around for a bit. It's good when you get them more direct, right? <laughs> and you listen.
2: Uh, yeah. <laughs> Mm-hmm. It's always been that way
3: though. So I guess Yeah, I guess mm-hmm. that is a blessing. It is a blessing, yes.
4: Absolutely.
3: <laughs> mhm. Yeah. So so tell us more about um this wonderful have no yeah, fear of yeah, Bluesico and and yeah. your you know, your dance theater collective and you know, all the different pieces okay. that are you're pulling together that people won't know, like, wow, this was a real big thing. Um, you know. Both sides yeah, of the, I, the country, and you know, all these yeah, different so creative nice. minds that are coming together, and you know, the multiple genres you know, there's dance, there's live music. Um, yeah, yeah, talk to us about it.
2: So, um, it began with um, I start, I choreographed the first section of. Have No Fear. So Have No Fear, of bluesicle is composed of three parts. The first part is called A Break for the Five. I choreographed, I started to choreograph A Break for the Five I'd say in like 2007 for a show called Native Tongue that happened at OBC. The show was presented by Jacinta Vlach, And so it was really her show, but she she wanted me to do work in it, or she asked me to do work in it, and I said yes. And originally it was kind of an idea. I knew that just from my personal experiences that um, my friends, a lot of the black folks in Frisco were leaving. They were going back down south um, when I was in San Francisco. And there was a point where I wanted to come back to San Francisco. My friends were like, don't come back here. Something like new and kind of dangerous and strange is happening. And I was like, no, no, I'm going to come home. And they were like, no, no, don't come back because you're going to get caught up in it. And I was like, I don't understand But, you know, I think they were describing, like, the prison industrial complex had gone from something that we were marching in the street about and, like, something that was over there that we were, like, standing up for. And it became, like, very personal and started to affect my family, their families, people we know. Um, And so it became kind of like if you stay in San Francisco, you kind of have a couple fates. You'll either uh, get addicted to drugs, or the cops will kill you, or, um, you you know, turned out by just street life, Um, Mm -hmm. and so it was really hard, they were just like, it's really hard for black folks, a lot of people going down south, a lot of people are moving out, and that's when gentrification really started to pop, and so my friends were like, just don't come home, there's just no, there's just not opportunities here for us like that anymore, and so, when I was when I started to make work, you know, you can't make the same work that is relevant out here in the East Coast to what's happening in the Bay because the Bay is like a whole other thing. So although mm-hmm. I can do the work that ha- is happening out here, there's just way more diversity in the African diaspora. So the the things that we are talking about or talk about in the Bay. It just, there's different issues you need to address when you're there because they're just different places with different populations and people from different places, you know? And so mm-hmm. I decided I was going to do a break for the five and I wanted to do um, a rah-rah for the like disappearing population of African-Americans and just people of color in San Francisco. And so that's mm-hmm. how it started. So I looked at, the the model of a Haitian rah-rah and how it was used or is used as a form of political protest, but then also looking using some of the like voodoo of it like the sequins to reflect the negative energy away, um, and also kind of creating this inner diasporic secretization between not only um, uh, visual like aesthetics from Haitian folklore but also from uh, folklore that comes from Trinidad and Tobago and just kind of making this place where the diaspora meets and decides that um, we're all cousins and we're all Africans and we share a lot of even though our specific situations are very different we still are kind of um, speaking up against the same forces that seek to oppress us and silence us um, and take our freedoms away. And so that's how Break for the Five happened. And then it grew a little bit bigger when Mark Bamuchi Joseph brought us to the Bay Area to perform in the Living Word Festival, I believe in like 2010, nine, 10. We did it twice. We did like 2000, maybe 2008 and then 2010. And so it grew into Mm -hmm. something bigger. Um, And it just kept growing and growing. And I feel like my pieces, all the pieces that I create are like children. And, you know, people, you know, in the society we live in, people want you to produce all these things really quickly and make pieces, make works, and what are you doing next? And I feel like that's one thing that I've really resisted is I've been like, you know what, I'm going to take time to grow this work to its full realization and potential and really see what it is. And if it takes me 20 years to do that, then I'm going to do that. And so this is the piece where I feel like I really dug my heels in, and it was like, no, I'm not just gonna keep making things to make things. I'm gonna make mm-hmm. things that have that have relevance and are poignant and so um, that's how a break for the five happened. That's the first section. The other part of a break for the five is that I'm the first female in my family on my mother's side to not participate in the quilting tradition um, in our Mm -hmm. family and my family's from South Carolina. And so that's a big deal. Um, that was a big deal in our family. And so for me, because I didn't grow up in South Carolina, because I just visited and I grew up in the Bay, I always felt like a really strong connection to my family, but that, you know, I'm always like the diversified cousin or the kind of outsider, but the, the, the the how do you say the tradition the tradition of the Baptist Church although I'm not Christian at all it is very strong in me because my grandfather Reverend C J Whitaker, was a Baptist minister um, and he was responsible for forming the first like Democratic Party in Greenville South Carolina so he was also an activist so that runs strong in that side of my family. And so I wanted to participate in that quilting tradition with my mama's people because I was like, you know, I feel like they speak to me in dreams and they give me all this kind of um, inspiration in the work that I create. And so I wanted to be able to speak to them further. And so in creating a break for the five, this is my, like, this these are my patches for my familial quilt or my ancestral quilt. This is like my telephone to my ancestors on that side of my family. Um, and then after I came, after I've been working on The Break for the Five, we performed it a bunch of times. It kept growing and changing. Um, and then in 2011, after I was in the Bay Area um, for quite some time, presenting work at Counterpulse, um, I became mm-hmm. pregnant with my daughter. <laughs> and so my daughter was born on 9-11-11. She was born during Occupy Wall Street. And I remember people calling me, like, it's going down. You need to come out here. And I was like, I just had a baby at my house. Like, I've been in labor for four days. I can't come outside. And so my um, that kind of put me in a moment of, like, okay, well, I can no longer be a lieutenant in the same way in terms of actions. Like, I can't go outside right now. I might not be able to go outside all the time, so how can I participate in The things that are happening and the things that I still very much believe in and support, without being on the front lines. And so that's when I think Have No Fear started to bubble. At that time, like a little bit after my my daughter was after she was born, uh, I still was performing Break for the Five, and I was trying to figure out like, okay, how do I do this? Because I can't. I mean, I can go outside with my baby, but when we get pepper sprayed, that's just and my family's gonna like jump on me because I had a baby outside in mm-hmm. in some kind of you know whatever so I was I was really kind of in a place of stuckness and I think what pushed it through is then I became pregnant with my son in 2014 and I was doing a residency in Trinidad and um, while I was in Trinidad or while we were in Tobago uh, the Black Lives Matter movement started so Although we all knew know this, these things were happening already, have always been happening, it just became way more highly publicized. And I was like, yo, like, I got to go back to the United States, and I'm pregnant with this little boy. Like, it's all bad. So, so yeah, so that's what I was like, how am I going to teach my children to protect themselves? Like, this is crazy. Like, I don't know. Like, this is, like, now it's a state of emergency. And I had had pieces that people had kind of warned me about that I had done, like little singing and dancing pieces that then later became a part of Have No Fear that that my friends that were folklorists was like, you know, you got to be careful, like singing and dancing and all that, because, you know, you're talking about people and they might come get you. And I'm like, well, you know, Nina Simone did it, James Baldwin did it, Bob Marley did it, James Brown did it. Like, if they did it, like, shouldn't we be doing it too? Like, didn't they show us a way to do it? And so mm-hmm. – I think I was building the work inside of other works for a very long time, but I think I was I was maybe a little scared to put it all together. And to, I knew mm-hmm. it was something, but I just didn't want to put it all in one piece because I knew if I did it, like, little by little, I could see how people would react to it. And they had some strong uh-huh. reactions, even though they were just sections of pieces. And so when I got back to Brooklyn, um, there was, you know, the gentrification that's happening and – the dislocation, all the things that are happening in the Bay Area are beginning to still beginning to happen in Brooklyn. It hasn't happened in the Bay out here as severely as it's happened in the Bay. But um, there was some filmmakers that wanted to collaborate with some neighborhood artists, and they were doing a fellowship for this organization called Union Docs. And so we were connected through one of the dancers in my company, they were, they are, they were three white women that lived like in the neighborhood. So they were gentrifiers, and technically, I'm a gentrifier too because I'm not from here. I'm not from Brooklyn, but I moved here. So, but my situation is a little bit different. And so, um, we started to work together. For us, I mean, I took it to Ashe, you know, because Ashe a long time ago transformed from like just being a body of dancers and performers on stage to like a, a nation of. Mamas and babas and children and people that are all really taking care of each other, kind of like how folks did during the Great Migration, when you would move from your various parts of the South and you would come up to the city. And even though you wouldn't have your blood family clothes, you would make your. So that's in the the spirit of the Great Migration, we kind of did the same thing. And so I took it to Mm -hmm. them and I was like, you know, these are three white women that want to do this film on us. But, you know, white folks stay making money off black suffering. So I was like, I don't know if we should do it. What do you guys think? And so they decided, they said, okay, yes, we will do it. But if anybody starts getting, like, major bread off it or anything, then we got to pump the brakes and we got to redo contracts and all the stuff. So I agreed to do it, and we began the process. And for me, it was really like, okay, the new neighbors are here. They're not going anywhere. So instead of, like, just beasting out on the new neighbors. Let's see what – let me try to be a human being. Let's share this lineage of being humans on the planet, and let's try to see what working together looks like.
4: So we didn't have a
2: whole lot of bumps and scrapes because, like I said, they're filmmakers. I'm a choreographer. We we share the lineage of art. So that really united us. You know, there was there was definitely cultural scrapes, and in the film – you know, there's things like I look like I'm a single mother when I have an amazing partner and I love him and he loves me, but it looks like I'm a single mother. And you know, there's little things where I'm like, Okay, you guys made some editing choices that were interesting. But I love them. They're wonderful people. And I guess they took this film all over the world, it won awards and I in the meantime I just started going and getting my MFA and just living life and being a mama and being a choreographer, doing all the things I do. And then, like, a year later, it just had, the film had had a whole life. Like, when I was in Europe, I guess I was in Germany, and then the film was in Poland, and the Polish people wanted me to come to Germany. I was like, really? I was just reading books. Like, I didn't know (laughs) that all these things were happening. And so that's how the second section of Have No Fear started, right? Because in the film, it's called Have No Fear fear so after they made the film have no fear then I was like okay I I think that's what this piece this next section of this piece is called and so when I then I started to go into my thesis and that's when it really took shape where I decided okay I'm gonna we're gonna hit all these different ideas that really keep us silenced and I really wanted to look at the idea if I I am a an African American woman that has always grown up with fear. I've raised I've been raised in fear because that's constantly how your parents raise you. You just know not to act a fool because you're afraid either something's gonna happen. You're always afraid something's gonna happen or there's a consequence, you know, like of such a thing. So mm-hmm. I was like, Well what if what would it be if I really addressed White Jesus and how the iconography Of White Jesus has negatively Affected people of color Across the planet What would it be if I really wrote Aunt Jemima's quitting speech And I You know as a salute to like Aunt Jemima As the survival masquerade And like talked about how My grandma scrubs your Toilets and irons your Curtains so that I don't have to So that everyone is clear about who we are like, what if I taught my children rhymes, nursery rhymes, that would sit in their heads so if they ever got in a situation where they were faced with police officers that didn't have their best intentions in mind, they would have this soundtrack playing in their head so they would know their next steps and they wouldn't flinch or put their hands in their pockets so that they got hurt, you know, so... There was there were several there were several motives for have no fear of the bluesicle and one the most important one was to keep my children alive and to keep all of our children, especially Nashay, because between now between us now there's about thirteen children and most of mm. them are boys. And so I was thinking about our boys and how we were gonna teach them, you know, whatever we could because you know, whatever can happen. It doesn't mean like they have this song in their head and they won't get hurt but it, it may give them a very clear soundtrack as to their options. Mm-hmm. Um, I was also like looking at the idea of ritual dance theater and <clears throat> the power of prayer, because in African tradition, my elders always teach us that you have to be really specific in your prayers and that the power of words is very strong. And so the, the songs that go with the pieces, um, are very intentional and they're clear. You know, it's not, I've done so much work where so much of the, the music I've created is like coded and it's proverb and it's double entendre. And you see this in a break for the five, but in Have No Fear, it's really, it's it just says what it is and it does what it does. It wasn't about like creating the most intricate choreography and abstracting things so far that people couldn't identify what they were because I want to get Auntie Such and Such out of the laundromat to come and see what I'm talking about, to see if she'll come to the courthouse with me and hold a sign. Mm-hmm. I'm not trying to i I'm not trying to get, you know, the the this that foundation donor to see like, oh, that I that I've studied and that I've I have this certain level of technique. It's really about people being together in a room, in a space and trying to figure out and shifting is not even offering an answer. It's really like, okay, if we get together in a space and we shift, then something else might shift. Because if you look at labor, if you look at when a person is in labor, like you really hope and pray that at the end of the labor that you have a child, that you have a person. But some people don't have that outcome but whatever whatever the outcome is of labor, you still shifted, you still changed it, changed, and you still grew and so that's that's what I think that I'm trying to do, especially when it comes to this time and history that we're in. Nobody really knows what to do because all of these constructs of whiteness and blackness and other and all of these different things we were born into them, and so we can, we can have all of our decolonizing, our imagination, all of these different things. But in the end, we're all trying to figure out, like, what actually to do to shift the, the like, foundations of white supremacy, patriarchy, and capitalism that keep us all stuck. Because we, we live here. So we all support it. We're all a part of it but nobody really knows what we can do. And so my idea is real simple. It's like if we come together in a space and we actually shift our bodies in a space, then maybe that will cause some shift. Mm
3: -hmm. Right, yeah. Um, Well, we're kind of out of time, but I wanted to um, give you an opportunity um, in closing to um, maybe talk about, um, maybe give the names of of the members of Ache and I know you're going to have um a special um, Oakland based musician who also yep. serves as the music director um and I don't want to mess up um his name so that's why I'm not <laughs> saying it unless you do it. So, yes, I wonder if you could give give the give the names of, of you know the other members of of Ashe.
4: So this
2: process has been quite challenging because the cla- the ca- cast is split on the West Coast, from, um, even though Guy DeShallis is from New York and was mm-hmm. the artistic director of Ashe Dance Theater Collective for many, many years. He moved to the Bay Area. And so he is the, the fiddler in the work, and he is the musical director of the work. We also have the extraordinary voices of Tassi Long and Zakia Shapeshifter Harris, They are just, like, gorgeous singers and amazing artists in their own right. Like, aside from me, they have their own things going on, and you should check them out. Um, Mm -hmm. The other drummers we have working with us are Pablo Soto Campo Amor, and he is an extraordinary visual artist as well. And then we have Eliyahu Salam. And so those are the Bay Area kind of Ache folks. I would also put uh, Andrew He's a lighting designer And he has been with us since Counterpulse So I would definitely throw him a, Like a shout out to him as a dope lighting designer Um, from the East Coast Uh, we have Uh, Alexandra Jean-Joseph We have Brian Polite We have Kendra Ross Aaron Holmes Um, aye, aye, aye. Oh no Kendra Holmes, Tanisha Newland Um I think that's everybody. Yeah, I think that's everybody. <laughs> yeah.
3: Okay. Those are, all, right.
2: yeah, those are all the Ashe East and West folks.
3: Okay. And um, the filmmakers again? Oh, um, I'm
2: sorry. Imani and Zinga. That's the other one. Imani and Zynga. Oh. And Stephanie okay. Bostos. What am I doing? Bay Area Stephanie Bostos. She's also in it. I'm so sorry. Stephanie Bostos is amazing.
3: Go ahead. I'm sorry. Okay. hmm and it says the, the project's filmmakers include um, Beata
2: Beata Kalinska, uh, mm-hmm. Tracy Williams, who is also, she's also working with us, like art direction, like helping us um, do some of our social media stuff, um, mm-hmm. and Sarah Jacobson. Um, and everything really has been brought together as well by an organization called Purpose Productions, um, ran by... Austin Edwards and um our production manager is Marisol Ibada. So I think that's everybody.
3: <laughs> right. Um, so it's a whole village and, of people. Nice, nice. And again we're speaking to Idea Tamara Whitaker, um, about Ashe Dance Theater collective, uh, having uh it's West Coast premiere of Have No Fear of Bluesico again. October 17th through 19th, um, Thursday through Saturday. That's next week, 8 p.m. And uh, that's at O-D-C, at ODC. and You can go to odc.dance um, forward slash bluesaco, And ODC is located in San Francisco. And I'm looking for an address. Um, oh, here it is, one five three Seventeenth Street. And uh, tickets are 15 to $30. Dollars. And um, um, I think, is that everything? Um, Yeah. Do you have a website?
2: I do. It's ashedance.com, A-S-E-D-A-N-C-E-E.com.
3: Okay, super, super. All righty. Oh, I know what I was looking for. There's going to be a talk on next Friday, um, October 18th at 630 at ODC. Uh, ODC right. is going to host you in a conversation, a public talk, presented in partnership with the Institute for Curata- Curatorial Practice and Performance based at Wesleyan University. So I think that part is free to the public. So folks will probably come out and hear you, you know, sort of ex- expound on on the concept. You know, you know, with that that MFA, you got the language too, right? <laughs>
4: <laughs> Maybe oh, okay. so you have La copies fairy. of
3: your dissertation for us to be able to take home. Um ah. <laughs> Alrighty. Oh, well, well, super. Okay. Yeah. Well look forward to well, um, thank you so uh uh seeing you, so you next week. Me. Oh, you're quite thank welcome. You so it's so funny. Um me. yeah, uh you were talking about counterpulse San Francisco and just Curtis uh Gravity uh is presenting his um second week invisible. Um, this weekend and at Counterpost, I just thought that was kind of cool that you know sort wow. of you all are like crossing you know wow. each other um, in the um, uh, in this conversation.
4: So if you want oh, to wow. say hi
3: to Jess, he's on the air now with uh, a couple of other choreographers, for Sherwood uh, Ken.
4: Oh Sherwood, what's up? Hi. <laughs> hi. <laughs>
3: and Gabriel Christian. <laughs> Hi, there, Hi,
2: everybody. I'm so sorry. That was very loud.
4: <laughs> I was I'm so thrilled loud.
7: to hear Adia to the, the master who was already a master before the MFA, I have to say.
3: Uh-huh. <laughs> Aww, thanks. Thanks. Okay,
2: yeah. so take care, everyone.
3: All right, safe travels. <laughs> See you later.
2: Bye.
1: Good luck. Bye. <laughs>
3: Uh, thank you all so much for your patience. Um, I'm glad glad you were able to to say hey, uh, Sherwood. I'm glad you're also able to join mm. us because I know you're going to be traveling in a minute um, to your next hey, destination. Wanda. Hey, yeah, and and thank you so much, uh, Jess, um, for you know being available, Jess Curtis, to talk about you know your um, your uh, your program, you know this year, uh, this 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 season, oh. and. Uh, yeah, and I remember last year we had an opportunity to talk about gravity. I just love gravity. Like, it's so heavy, right? And we got people without electricity, right, as we speak. Like, what?
4: Mm-hmm. What? I mean, the people with
3: money without electricity. Like, not the poor people that have been living without electricity on the streets for a minute. Like, they know how to survive. But the folks, like, wow, isn't that crazy?
4: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Turning off really the electricity,
3: is. like, for five days maybe. Like, oh. yes, yeah, so we're yeah. looking at the maps. Who's going next? <clears throat> yeah.
4: <laughs>
3: so, yeah, gravity presents invisible. How do you experience a performance by seeing it? What if that's not possible? So I'm trying to think. Should I run through all of your bios, and then we could talk about invisible? Do you think that will work good? I mean, should we do it that way?
4: You're Oh, should you tell us what, really, what invisible? We're
1: happy to be oh.
3: here. Okay. At well, your service. Okay. So, Jess, why don't you tell us, I'll read your bio, Jess, and you tell us what um, Invisible is, and then I'll read Gabriel, Christian, and Sherwood. And Sherwood, we'll let you talk a lot because we know you might have to slip out. So, Jess Curtis is an award-winning choreographer and performer committed to an art-making practice informed by experimentation innovation, critical discourse, and social relevance. He has created and performed multidisciplinary works throughout the United States and Europe with the radical San Francisco performance groups Contraband and Core, and the experimental French circus company Cahen Kaha. Yes. Did I say it right? Great okay. In 2000, he yes. founded his transcontinental performance company, Jess Curtis Gravity. And that's a forward slash there after Curtis.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: Uh Curtis is active as a researcher and performance and excuse me, a researcher, writer, teacher, advocate, and community organizer in the fields of contemporary dance and performance. He holds an MFA in choreography and a PhD in performance studies from the University of California at Davis. So so with the introduction um to um you know, what we're going to be talking about in, in your first weekend, this is your second weekend. Tell us, uh, Jess, about uh, Invisible, in in parentheses, and then visible.
12: Yeah, well, um, Invisible is a project we've been working on for almost two years now, or depending on sort of what, which parts of our early experiments you count. Um, but this crew has actually been, we made a, a piece, uh, a sort of research piece in 2017 but the work really comes out of a lot of um, some of my experience um, as I've been collaborating with artists in the UK particularly with Claire Cunningham um, and I've had the opportunity over the last few years to see a, um, what a, a number of productions and then to, to build into my own production what are called access accommodations um, for people with visual impairments, as well as for deaf folk too, but um I got really interested um in uh in practices that allow people um, who with low vision or people who are blind to be able to experience dance performance and um you know, I've grown up as a dancer and throughout my career experiencing dances from the inside, and I know how exciting. A dance can be um, beyond just what you see from from the audience. So, um, with with my last project with Claire, which was called "The Way You Look at Me Tonight," um, we placed the audience on stage, and we did we used a number of these practices that come out of making the work accessible to actually um, in, inspire audiences to feel the work in different ways not just to sit back at the back of the auditorium and look at people jumping around on the other side of the room but to really be in the middle of it and that was uh really successful and exciting the way that Claire and I used that in that piece and uh, but I felt like there was way more that we could do um and that was super interesting to me so I invited Sherwood and Gabriel and um or other dancers, two of them from Berlin and two more from here from the Bay Area. And we've been working for the last year and a half um, building up and researching uh, on just different ways of utilizing all of the fences in performance. So we've been, uh, we're, yeah, that's kind of the genesis of the work. And I think I'm, I'm really proud of it. We've, we've run it for, we've premiered it this summer in Berlin, and then we've just Uh, Opened it last weekend in Counterpulse, and we've gotten really great responses from folks and are really looking forward to this next weekend.
3: Oh, awesome, awesome. Congratulations. Yeah. So, Gabriel um, Christian is a multidisciplinary artist bred in New York City and baking in Oakland, California. I hope that you have electricity
13: (laughs) still, Gabriel. Are you on that list or no? I do, yeah, I am. I know actually I'm totally safe from the list. I've been lucky. Oh yeah. good.
3: Yeah, me mm-hmm. too. I'm like, oh you know you know, sort of like, yeah, I'm in the i well, I'm in Alameda, but the people that are in the flats, like, right? Like we're good. <laughs> yeah, we'll oh, see. Yeah. <laughs>
4: we'll
3: hmm Yeah. Yeah. So Gabriel's work um uh, metabolizes the vernaculars with black, B L A Q, Diaspora, uh, futurity Afro... Vivalism.
13: You can skip the, the next word. Is a little bit hard for the radio. Oh. Yes, yeah, It's okay. You can skip the next okay. word.
3: Okay. <laughs> um, through body-based live performance and poetics. Moreover, I should have had this together from last year, right? Moreover, they feel the bio <laughs> <laughs> to be an unfortunate byproduct of capitalistic modes like chattel slavery. Ah, okay. We have to take a pause here. Okay. Okay. Um, Sherwood Chin has worked as a performer with artists including Grisha Coleman, uh Yoko uh, Yuko Yuko Kaseki. Amara Tabor Smith, uh Anna Halprin, Min uh, Tanaka, Xavier LeRoy, Inkboat Komu, how do you pronounce um
7: Murabuchi.
3: Uh, Murubushi, i yeah I've,
7: I've been around the block <laughs> so <we go>. right
3: <laughs> and and i know you teach classes at odc because i went to their website i'm like oh share with like all over this this schedule um <laughs> he leaves workshops for, for performers for in oh that's oh, okay he leads workshops for performers in studio and in natural and urban landscapes mm-hmm. worldwide I remember running into you in Dakar. That was so cool, you and Amara. I think that was the last
7: time we <laughs> saw each other almost. It was
3: in Dakar. Yeah. Oh, seriously? Dang, that was a long time ago. Mm. It was a long wow. time ago, yeah. Yeah, well, I really need to come see you in this. Uh, for over 20 Take years, he has yes, served as a cultural <laughs> worker in public, nonprofit, and philanthropic, philanthropic yeah. sectors, focusing on community <clears throat> arts programming, arts education, arts grant making, and as an artist act advocate in the United States with a focus on supporting tradition-based Native Californian and immigrant artists and he has a website SherwoodChin.com Alrighty, so um, Sherwood and Gabriel, tell us about your work in uh, Jeff Jeff Curtis' Gravity Presents Invisible
7: Go for it Gabriel
13: (laughs) I was going to say the same thing (laughs) (laughs) Um, I know, that's why I beat you to it Um I mean, I'll just start by saying that we've both been involved in this for about three years now. I so mean, it's the third year, actually, that we've been um, in rehearsal in some way for uh, a project. This is, of course, two different projects, but the first one was in 2017, and that was a very different um, experience of a first take, um, first draft, I guess, in a way, for how we were um, entering as able – me, I'll talk to myself. As, as, as I was entering as an able-bodied dancer who had um, also limited experience dancing and limited experience with – access questions so um that piece went up in 2017 and sort of opened up a lot of um those uh curiosities and i think this round has been a lot um i've come from a place not of expertise but of sort of more um more ability to understand how to talk about and and engage with um these things that are really complicated around access and um and, and visual impairment that i just didn't have any uh, any language for before so um, our role has been kind of, I mean, my role has been very much like stepping in and um, feeling humble and also feeling like um, there's a lot of things that can be learned in the room and bringing my own sort of like joy to the process and laughter and um, language. My, my, I'm, I'm trained as a theater actor from, from Yale University, so I have like lots of experience with scripts and languaging things. And so this whole process has been also asking us to be very vocal, um, which I, I do plenty of in my own work. So it's nice to see how that carries over to um, the dance context.
4: Mm.
7: Mm -hmm. Sherwood. Oh yeah. Well, um, what other thing I would add maybe would be that um, I, I um, I feel like the, with this piece, Jess is really trying to provoke and ask questions for the audience. uh, As you, as you had read earlier in terms of um, the, the material that you read at Wanda in terms of asking, will in what way do you experience a dance and traditionally a dance is something that's really considered a very visual medium. Um, And I think that this provocation is, for me, hits me on two fronts. One is I think for people in general who come together, the audience who's going to be there, we're going to share the space with the performers um, to really remind us of our as humans, just our our ability to be able to perceive and to feel, and that we would have all of these um, resources at our, our sensory resources that are um, that that are available for us and so in that sense, I think that the piece really provokes that um, searching, opening, and questioning for uh for not only the public but also the dancers and that brings me to the second point, which is as a performer, I think that i 've had a career. Um, and been trained in a way to to almost unconsciously assume that the visual was going to be the default dominant um, mode of, of uh, communication. And I think that for me, this project has been very provocative and inclusive of, as, as Gabriel was mentioning, the earlier phases when we were beginning to research this and taking a look at um, the, the very rich practice of audio description that exists for television film performances, but then beginning to see how that's incorporated in real-time live dancing and I would say that as a, as a performer, that's been a, a wonderful challenge and also really pushing me to, uh, in, in addition to specifically working with um, the of uh, fellow artists on the team who have visual impairments, and other team members as well. Um, Jess, you can talk about them maybe perhaps uh, next. But in terms of uh, working with them, really allowing me to um, figuratively and perhaps very li- literally opening my eyes to new ways of, of actually considering um, what it means to perform for public.
12: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I would, so if Jeff- I could jump in. Yeah, I was just gonna say um, these uh, both Sherwood and um, and Gabriel are such articulate people and super interesting collaborators to work with, but um, and also humble. And I wanna I wanna just underline I, I think one of the dangers of this piece in talking about it is that because we do we are sort of inspired and coming from a place of research around sense around perception and stuff that um, it can sound very brainy, um, and actually the piece,